The world is chattering about the newest craze. You go into debt, and a strange man offers you to participate in a deadly game to get lots of money. Lots of societal rele relevancy, lots of drama, and lots of tears. What are we talking about? Well, if you know, you know. But if you don't know, we have assembled today to discuss Squid Game. Hi. And welcome to Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we spoil your favorite games and the occasional movie. Today is a new day for us, as we are spoiling our first ever TV show. The world is obsessed with Squid Game, and we are not exempt from that. We are really excited to talk about this show, so let's not waste any time. Let me introduce you to the crew who will be joining me today. Now, first, I have Rich Meister. Rich, I have one simple question for you. Mm -hmm. Would you join Squid Game? Uh, wow. Uh, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to die. <laughs> I mean, those moments are few and far in between. How could to you? To be fair, win or lose, you're out of debt. It's true. I mean... The the goal is to be out of debt, and you do achieve that mm. in some way, shape, or form. Plus, listen, if I see gentlemen, if I see Korean gentlemen playing a slap game in the subway, you bet I'm game. <laughs> You're just going to, uh, uh, excuse me, may I join the slap game? Well, just... what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, beat the shit out of me, Tim. I want to play. I don't know how this works, but I'm intrigued and horny. Let's do it. <laughs> I like being slapped around. Now, I don't know if you know this, Rich. Uh, I got a notification this morning as I woke up that Mr. Beast is actually doing a promotion right now where for forty next 48 hours, if you buy one of his special uh, Inspired by Squid Game t-shirt, you are getting the opportunity to be entered into a drawing where you and 149 other people will be able to possibly participate in his own squid game. Is that you something you're interested in? Nah, I think instead I'll just report him to Netflix to see if they can file some kind of lawsuit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But the I, I went and looked. Like this morning in my sleepiness, I was like, that, you know, I kind of want to, I want to try, you know? Like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take which has been said by Michael Scott, who is said by Wayne Gretzky. But anyways, um, so I almost went and bought it. I almost did. And then I realized that, oh, this shirt's like $60. I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> That's where he gets all his money. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. That's definitely do, Let's do our own version. Let's do the chomp games. And like ours will be different because like you'll die. Well, and then if you win, we eat your ass. We're doing that either way, you know. <laughs> like, we do that. Whether you're dead or alive, we, we do that ass. at registration, baby. That's not what we do here at Sword Chomp. But uh, Rich, glad you're here, buddy. Glad you're here. I'm excited to talk about the show. Me too. We, I'm three beers we, deep. You were late today. 
Hey, uh, that's my fault. I apologize. Had a late night. I was uh, burning the candle at both ends. That's the expression. Yeah, we were all it. trying to beat Metroid Dread. Well, we all succeeded, but more on that later um, and not in this podcast. I'm also joined today by Mr. Josh Fowler. Josh, would you participate in Squid Games? No. No, I'd, I'd, I'd probably watch them. Hmm. I can send what you a link. What, what about if the Squid Games were not actually based on the uh, popular South Korean drama that we're assembled to talk about today, but actually Squ- Squid Games was uh, you being a star in a hentai involving tentacles. Would you be a part of that? You mean a sequel? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. No, or, I'm saying know, I've been in like, the one. Like an inspired so, so, so a sequel to the, the, the octopus one. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah, We absolutely. have two more arms this time. This, uh... <laughs> and I think there are some squid that are actually bigger than the biggest octopus in the world. I'd have to look that up to confirm that, but probably, um, yeah. Josh, I, I have a new query to pose to you. If um, someone put a gun to your head and said you have to put the squid arm or this octopus arm up your ass, which one would you put? <laughs> Why did I ask that question? I mean, you. Thank- you hmm. Thank you for asking, Shay. Both. <laughs> well, I've removed and the octopus. And you put your arm and... up there while you're at it. You're not the boss of me. I'd yell as I shove both of them up there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, oh, not the beak. Man. Yeah, no, definitely not beak the beak first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fucking. I'm I'm so out of it today, and I don't know. I immediately regretted asking that question, but um, it led to a funny bit. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm glad you're here, Josh. I'm really glad you're here, and um, thank you for that octopus imagery. Beak first. <laughs> and my name is Shay Layton. I'm happy to be here to talk about Squid Games. And if I were, was um, offered to participate in Squid Games, I think I would. I think I would actually, because like Rich said, all jokes aside, either way, I'm getting out of debt and I think it would be an interesting way to die. I thought that I mean, I think we could accomplish the same Probably thing by not. just killing the rich and that's more fun. <sighs> yeah, Sounds but then hard. you probably go to jail. And let's, let's be honest. I don't know the first thing about guns. Like I've shot guns from Montana originally. But well, don't you get one like at the hospital when you're born in Montana? Uh, no. Don't they no. like? They don't have that sort of money. You're entering into a raffle, and and oh, okay, one of the kids who's born that week gets one. Ma'am, here's your newborn and his sidearm. <laughs> the the other child, the other child, the other children get access to um, what is that company? Small, not small. The the chewing tobacco Skull? company. Skull, that one. Clear, clearly, I, I'm a great Montanan. Like the doges. Just a, just a small doge. <laughs> so what they, what they do actually is... Um, <laughs> Doge-shaped chewing tobacco pouch. <laughs> all all the babies who are born on that day, they put a pack of skull in the middle of the room, and whoever crawls to it first gets to be a high school baseball coach. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a game we could do. 
<laughs> don't know that we could. <laughs> we could. Should we? We've no. got a plan about nine months ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like we might get into some trouble for that one. Hey, nobody has to know. But it's, we're recording this, right? <laughs> uh, I'll edit that part out. It's behind Maybe. a patron tier. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Have your child participate in a super secret lucrative game. But anyways, uh, let's get into the show. So Baby here's bugs. how the show works. If this is your first time being here, um, well, hopefully you're sticking around after that wild intro, but... We're going to be talking about the whole story, spoilers and all. This is your point of no return. If you do not want to be spoiled, come back and um, watch the show and then listen to what we have to say on it. We're going to be discussing different themes, different aspects of the show. Usually it's a lot more structured, but this time it's going to be a little bit more freeform. We figured that that is probably the only way we can do it because there are nine episodes. There are a lot that happen happens in the nine episodes so what i've done is i've got the basic plot and then i've got i went through each episode and try and pick out some key points for us to discuss so it's going to be a little bit differently formatted but i think it's going to be really exciting so anyways without further ado spoilers ahead here we go song jihun I hope I pronounced that correctly. I should have looked that up. Song Ji-hoon, a man in his 40s, has accumulated a massive debt after gambling and not working for a while. Heading home on a train after getting mugged, he's offered to play a game of... Oh, I should have looked this up too. Dakji, by a mysterious man. If he wins, he gets a lot of money. If he loses, he owes that amount of money. He loses, but since he can't pay, the man instead slaps him in the face as payment. After multiple losses, he strings together a win streak. The man gives him a card and tells him if he wants to earn more money to call the number on the card. Jihoon calls and is given instructions for a pickup. After being gassed in the car that picks him up, he awakens in a large warehouse full of people in jumpsuits and masked staff. The people learn that they are all being given the opportunity to win money because they are all in deep financial debt and that's the basic premise of the show so let's go over episode one notes and then we will kind of reflect upon that episode before we jump into the subsequent episodes so the high points or the keynotes in episode one that i wrote down is the only time we see song ji hoon's or player 456's daughter is in this episode he talks about her from time to time and um, he has conversations with her but this is the only time we get to see her. Buys her a gun. He buys her uh, by accident, actually. He wins it out of a vending machine. But or he we, doesn't. A kid helps him Before we go too far, it. can we talk about that weird bit? Because my favorite part of that is that he won a random gift for his daughter and never looked at what it was before giving it to her. Yeah. A little bit odd. But it also kind of speaks to his life of just... Um... Just not really having a plan and not really being that engaged with what he's doing in his life. So it's it's definitely interesting. I would a say. well-meaning but um, poor at execution, shall we say? Like he he means well, but he's really bad at doing pretty much anything. Well, I I don't even think it's that he's bad at it. I think he's just he chooses not to be good at it. He clearly has some talent, which comes out later in the show, but. 
he just refuses to take any vested interest in his own life other than, you know, being able to perpetuate his mediocrity. Like, he he goes to great lengths in the first episode to do that. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, Cho Sang-woo, player 218, felt suspicious in the episode, the first episode to me. I wanted to point that out, and that is, um, for those of you who need to be reminded, that is the the player who player 456 they grew up together and he player 456 knows his mother and his mother always talks so highly about um Cho Sang-woon Cho Sang-woo and uh to me just right off the bat this character felt suspicious to me I don't know did he did he feel I... that way for you guys I mean obviously we'll get into why that's important later on but did any Red flags go off for you guys immediately. I think that's one hundred percent by design, because when you you hear things from his mother and stuff, it's very clear that like from that point of meeting him, that the reason he's in debt is because he did some shady business dealings. Like he's not in debt because he's just a poor person who was taking out loans or like gambling. Like he's not a person with normal vices. Like he was a man of means that did some shady shit with other people's money is basically the vibe you're given. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was clear it's trying to paint a contrast because he's clearly not a good guy at the end of the day, but he's not your stereotypical bad guy. And our protagonist already has an image of him and it's a positive image. Yeah. I, um, yeah. And when you first meet him, I remember this is you're, it's painted as like the main protagonist player 456. He's shocked that he's in there and that's kind of they give the writing gives it that spin but also leaves just enough of atmosphere there to say like something's not quite right here. Like maybe maybe it's this guy who's just down on his luck and, you know, made a few poor choices or maybe there's something more sinister there. And I think that's credit to the writing that you at that point you kind of don't know which one it is but i i lean more towards the side of this guy is just bad news so that's how i felt at least yeah sure and then the other major point here is the red light green light game which uh, has been memed to death at this point uh basically this is the first game that all the players play you know red light green light most people if you don't it's basically when someone says red light you stop and when someone says green light and looks away you can try and move as fast as you can towards the other side and when that's they pretty... say red light and you move again they then shoot you with a submachine gun yeah that's that's the difference here in this game no and that's how a... we play it in america oh yeah that's true um ar-15 or whatever yeah standard Fuck. issue the gun they give you at birth the americans mm-hmm. you know yeah but the the catch here is there's a giant doll that will turn its head to look at you and if you if it catches you moving at all you get shot in squid games and you die and this is something that the players didn't know that if they lose they lose their life and so there's kind of this panic and they realize oh shit we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into and there's kind of a bloodbath in this first episode where over half of the players die so i was um like, I know some people online were talking about, like, oh, it's uber violent, and I w- was not expecting that. And I was like, it's a death game. 
Like that's what it yeah. Was well, as. I mean, you don't know that until you hit that point. But yeah, I think if you go far t- enough to watch the show, you know what it is. Right. Exactly. And the thing that well, this is like I'd started watching it right as the craze had just started taking off. There was uh, some of our fans. There's one of our fans who kept telling me to watch it, and he had watched it before the craze even took off. And I was like, you know what? I'll finally watch it. He's I think been you and I started like, around the same time because I brought it up to you when I was maybe like two or three episodes in yeah. and you had said that you were about to start it or something like that because yes. people in the discord were suggesting it yes exactly and so yeah it's i i didn't feel like it was uber violent for sure but i definitely think that it was a little bit more violent than what i was expecting right off the bat i don't know did you feel the same way josh like did you expect that level of violence did you already hear about it um or? i mean yeah it was it's a death game i kind of expected it to be full of death well not just that but like to focus on it because they that's kind of par for the course in the genre um and honestly i think a lot of the earlier ones are just you know just the sheer amount of it more so than them focusing on anything particularly closely which they Mm. do more and more as it goes on just because you know the characters more and more as it the field gets narrowed down so they, they you know they'll dwell on it more as it goes because early on why would they focus on a character that you've seen for all of five seconds on screen uh at that point right so exactly yeah and like there this episode is obviously the slowest one just because it's trying to set everything up it obviously has a lot to set up so it's kind of a slower episode and i've tried to tell some people to watch it and i i was telling my father to watch and he's like you know, I just can't get myself into this right now. I, um, I've tried watching it three times and I fall asleep every time. And I'm like, I get that. The first 20 minutes are kind of slow. I was like, stick with it though. Trust me. Cause like, I felt a little bit like that too. I was like, why is this getting hyped up so much? You know, you hit the a first... point where it becomes bingeable, I think, which was it like three episodes yes. for me, which is where I couldn't really put it down. You know, like after, after the red light green light section took place i was like all right i need to see what happens from here on out and i was immediately engaged but yeah i mean there isn't a lot to discuss in this episode because it's a lot of just setting up for what happens later and there are a lot of implications from this first episode that we're going to come back and touch up on but we need to get to those sections so i mean there's there's not really much else to discuss I feel like with this first episode right now, do you guys, is there anything else that you guys want to discuss that I'm missing at the moment? No, I think it's a lot of setup. There's some bigger, like, I, I don't, I, inconsistencies is what I wanted to say, but not really. Inc- a lot of the dangling threads and more interesting character moments are what's interesting here, and that's kind of what I want to get into. Yeah, same, same. Okay, so episode two, I'm going to go over some key points and we'll discuss some of those. After over half of the players die, the rest vote to leave with the deciding vote coming down to player number one, who is the oldest player in the game. We will be bringing this back up towards the end of the show, so don't forget that. And we'll reference it as we get to that point as well. Jihoon, or player 456, goes to the police after leaving the games, and no one believes him except Detective Huang Jun-ho, who is looking for his missing brother. His brother had the same card as Jihoon, the Squid Games card. The staff of the game gives the players a second chance, and most of them 
after realizing their life is not going to get any better, decide to return to the game by the end of the episode. Jihoon returns after finding out his ailing mother needs an immediate procedure to save her life. And the episode ends with Junho, the detective, secretly following Jihoon into the game. So those are the major the major points in episode two. I'm sure there are some other things there, but I just wanted to grab the main points there. Um, th- what I found, I think, the most interesting about this episode was I really enjoyed the conversation between player one, the elderly player, and player 456, the main protagonist, when they run into each other out in the world. This is I outside the really convenience store, right? Yes. Yeah, because, I mean, they're just kind of like talking about the world, the state of the world, and their lives and stuff, and um, kind of why they got involved in the Squid Games in, in general. And I thought that was really interesting because I think that that conversation is one of the best mirrors of current society and why I think a lot of people would, you know, even knowing that it's a deadly game, would consider something like this because i think that kind of speaks to the to the disparity of what's happening in the world right now and also i've i've read some articles about how the the way this is depicted in this show mirrors a lot of society in south korea right now as well not that like people are like let's go do squid games or shit like that's happening everywhere maybe we're not there we don't know that um There, there's obviously, and we'll get into this towards the end probably, there's different layers to that conversation when you know more about certain characters towards the end. But uh, I think, like, any sort of capitalistic society where there tends to be a lot of people in debt reflects this really easily, where, like, the old man, um, and it, I like the conversation for the same reason you're saying, Shay, is when he kind of basically explains that he's like, look, I'm dying anyway, and I'm in a bad spot right now, and I'm not going to sit around and die waiting in bed i'd rather try and make things better for now or just go out on my own terms yeah exactly i mean he's a terminal cancer patient he's like what do i have left to lose at this point so did that resonate with you at all josh when you were watching this scene or just this episode in general i mean i guess i kind of feel like i've seen it in a million other things at this point for sure um but Please yeah. link all the anime that are better than this for us in the comments. Well, we'll I mean, watch not them even all. just that, but like it's a common theme. I mean, it's the whole fucking oh, yeah, premise yeah. of Breaking Bad, and I mean the whole rich people entertain themselves by pitting poor people against each other has been in literally all death games. Yes. Um, <laughs> the ge- was it the game or yeah the no not the battle game. royale. Yeah, the game. Uh, battle yes. royale was the one that immediately came to mind for me because you know it. Uh, I convinced a bunch of people to watch Battle Royale around the time when PUBG came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting idea, I think. And um yeah, I don't I don't know. I really I really I think it just has a lot of pertinence and obviously it's always going to have a lot of pertinence, but especially now with the way the pandemic has gone over the past few years and just kind of the economic disparity especially in the u.s but around the world right now because mm-hmm. there there's some fallout to what's been going on right now and um what's yeah being considering dubbing. half of the u.s is on strike currently and well that's what i was gonna say like the 
while billionaires go to space. Undergoing yeah. what is it called? The Great Resignation. That's what it's called right now. Um, mm-hmm. The Great Resignation, where people are quitting their jobs at an alarming rate because people are like, we're tired of getting paid pittance. You know, uh, pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar for the amount of hard work we've been doing and the stress and all that stuff. And there's yeah. there's a lot of like, I think, and and even though the uh, the additional unemployment money has dried up, still somehow we've got you know a political party or two who's blaming all of it on the increased unemployment benefits that don't exist anymore. Which like yeah no maybe maybe you guys should pay workers, um, yeah it's it has real world implications right yeah. now oh. I think that's why well, it's, it's a, so popular oh my god not just so I, there's a plot point later on about um a workers strike at a car factory which is obviously oh, yes. based off of a workers strike at Hyundai which is a Korean car manufacturer. Yes. Hmm. And anyway, they put out a bunch of advertisement on social media related to the Squid Game, which I think is just <laughs> fucking hilarious. Their tagline was Hyundai, where everybody has all their fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you guys know the show is about how much you guys fucking suck, right? We're like, yeah, we know. We're still going to use it to advertise our we cars. We just don't think a lot of you are going to realize it. So, like, mm-hmm. mm. so yeah, yeah, but this ad is running in America. Yeah, where you guys have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. But some of the other things I found really interesting about this episode, obviously the detective Huang jo- Jun-ho getting involved. Um, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you. I think that's my, as we come up for, or we get further into that plot line, I think that's my least favorite plot line. I think it's the, the most predictable. It's the most predictable for sure. And it just... It doesn't really add that much to the story. Well, I don't think it's just their excuse for showing the other side because most of the rest of the story is framed from a single character. Well, it's really not. Like, I was going to say most of it's framed from, like, a single character's point of view, but it's really not, and I feel like this is kind of their excuse for how how are they going to explain the the other side. It's your window into the employee's daily routine. Yes. 100%. Oh well, yeah, and I guess now that you're mentioning even further than that, it's it's a window into the origins of this because yeah. as we'll get into later, we can't know the exact origins of this game without that window into the other side. So I guess it is more important that I'm give I was just giving it credit for, but I also just I think it's more they utilitarian were giving this character than... a lot of screen yeah. time and there was not a lot of reward for it until yes. there wasn't a lot of payoff for it until towards the very end. And even and the even payoff then. that's there isn't great. Like that's the it it serves a purpose to get you information that is pertinent, but like the character arcs and plot lines it resolves aren't are incredibly predictable and then don't clean up in a way that feels satisfying to me. They, yeah, and w- unfortunately, well, yes. But what but they do lead to one plot line that is satisfying and that's in the very last episode so at least that's how i felt but let's jump into episode three really quickly so the note the major points there players form alliances as they return to the squid games we have jihoon sang woo his childhood friend player one the elderly player and player 199 and player 199 saved player 456 in the first game 
he is the only quote-unquote foreigner in the game. He is originally from Pakistan. Pakistan. There you go. Yes. I was I was worried. I was like, India? No, Pakistan. He's originally from Pakistan, um, but he speaks Korean. Interesting is actually the the character himself or the actor himself I, he, moved, yeah, moved he to speaks, South Korea. Yeah. To, he speaks Korean uh, and Pashti. Yes, exactly. He moved to Korea to um go to acting school and then stayed there and started getting jobs. So anyways, um random aside there. So game two starts and the players must carve shapes out of a Dalgona or honeycomb toffee. And the players get to choose which I I said that wrong. door and behind each door is a different shape and they're of different dif- uh different and varying difficulties. Song Wu, uh Jihoon's childhood friend, identifies the game from Sai Byok's intel after spying on them. And Sai Byok is coincidentally the character who mugged the main protagonist in the first episode. She's also a part of the game. But he decides not to tell his teammates, which is just another red flag right there. And the last major point I want to talk about in episode three, a player takes a staff member hostage after losing the game and the main leader of these games come in and just kills both the player and the <laughs> staff who has been taken hostage. Now, Junho, who has infiltrated the games at this point, takes the mask off of the, off of the dead uh, staff because each mask has three different symbols, and he has the lowest symbol, so the mask he takes is a step up for him and will allow him to be able to further infiltrate the games. And that's those are the major plot points in episode three. So, what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, it's a lot of um, well, one at the same time, it's it, it's doing a lot of legwork to sort of get back to the games. Um, uh-huh. and it's a lot of exposition, but it find it it's where and this is where a lot of people you talked earlier about people having a hard time onboarding. I think this is where they finally kick the wheels a little bit more um, yeah. because they have a lot of characters they want to introduce and get you to empathize with. Um, and they have to lay a lot of groundwork for that within these first three episodes. And yeah. really not until the third episode do they start doing it with like another three people. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because episode two, um, and this is something we didn't really discuss. You see some of the players that, um, it's clear they're going to be kind of more the focal point of the show. You see them out in the real world after exiting the game the first time and how they're living their lives. Um, and then they, when they all come back into the game, that's when the character development starts happening in this third episode. And that really takes place when these characters start forming alliances. You have, um, and this is kind of a trope in South uh, Korean dramas is you have one character who's kind of this bad rebel type character and he can either be a, you know a good character or a bad character you it's kind of unpredictable until a plot point is revealed you have that character and he ends up being one of the main antagonists throughout the games some would argue the rich people are the antagonists the, well there's that yes and those people would be right but you see him forming an alliance to try and 
form a super strong team. You see some other characters forming alliances. You see some other characters being lone wolves. And it's interesting um, how they're starting to build these relationships and these uh, connections, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I, I found it interesting, just the second game in general, because the first game is so actively deadly, and then this game is just... Them, them literally carving out the toffee with a little the, needle. Uh, the the honeycomb thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. the honeycomb toffee, the Dalgona or Dalgona, however you pronounce that. But yeah, I I thought that was an, a hilarious juxtaposition. Like the first game is so deadly, and it's like it reminds me of when I decided to take AP Bio in high school, and the teacher was like you need to read chapter one and two and you're going to have a test in two days on it. And basically that was his way of um, icing out people who weren't serious about it. And then mm-hmm. I was like, Oh hell no, this is not what I'm trying to do my senior year. And then I was talking <laughs> test to some two other was a pe- crossword puzzle. <laughs> and I then I was talking to some other people class in that my class. Senior year. <laughs> I was talking to some other people in that class and they're like, Oh, he just did that to try and get people like you out. Now the class is super chill and relaxed. I was like, cool awesome. <laughs> but like that's that's kind of what this reminded me of like episode or not episode one game one's like holy fucking shit people are gonna die and mm-hmm. of course in game two people are gonna die as well i mean i think i think the drama of that is played down in some ways as compared to the first game of course you still have people dying if you break the the shape then you just get executed on the spot and there there's a good kind of uh just like you played on there. the playground yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, and that's that's a good point right there. The cinematography in this game is so well shot because you are at a playground doing this, and you have people being shot, but the music and the cinematography makes it not seem so fucked up, if that makes sense. But there, yeah, but then there is like an urgency to it where you sort of feel the pressure swelling as like the time's running low and you're just hearing gunshots and seeing people drop while a few people are like frantically sitting there with their needle trying to get this honeycomb out, like, you know, lamenting the fact that they picked the fucking umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I found weird about this is how there's a there's a female character in in here who kind of plays an important part later. Uh, She's. A lady, I believe, is to be depicted in her 30s. She's kind of a an out-there lady, I guess I would say. And she has a lighter, somehow? And she snuck she's it in. able she, to use that on her needle without anybody knowing? Oh, the fact that she's using it in the open somehow and hiding it seems a little far-fetched without closely the guards are. Yeah. But, oh, she explains how she got it in. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's how you well, think she it got is. it in, and then she got it in the games. Yes, uh-huh. she got it in, and then she got it out. Yeah, yeah. I just like, I I feel like with, I I understand that that like how would how would a guard check that I guess, but with this like level of a game where it's that secretive of a game, and the the consequences of if this game gets found out to exist, you'd think that they would take all precautions to pre- prevent something like that from happening but i also, don't know i guess the implications um, of like them checking in uh certain cavities of people it's, it's almost like if the thing is run by exclusively old men they might not be familiar with these sort of things 
Also well, they true. were doing the examination on the way, and they were like, "Where's your penis?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> P- pulling on each contestant's. If penis. you don't Is have this a, real, if you don't have okay, a penis, so... we'll supply you with one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's got to be fair. But, yeah, the, I, even I, the playing I, field. I thought that was interesting that like she was able to sneak in a lighter, use it, give it to another player, and then he was able to use it. Oh, and I was like. I have no issue with her being able to sneak it in. That's viable to me. Her ability to use it and somehow conceal that the entire time while literally armed gunmen are watching people for to be ready to shoot them when they need to is the part I have trouble with. Yeah, there's a little bit of an inconsistency, I feel, there. And granted, you're supposed to suspend disbelief and not analyze it this much. But you look at the first game where the technology is there to, if that doll, that giant doll spots you, the second it spots you, there are just an um there you don't know the number of guards that are there that are on the sides of this game just sniping you and it's within a second's notice that you would think how would they not see a lighter if they're able to precisely yeah. snipe all these people in a giant field there's a little bit of an inconsistency there i mean <sighs> I mean, they do this for other reasons, but we're like, for whatever reason, some areas aren't under the surveillance that has hundreds of people watching it at all times because we need to make sure that everything's under surveillance. But we're not going to surveil the bathrooms because that's a step too far. We want uh, these people yeah, we're killing to have have a little bit of privacy. Yeah, um, that is nice of them. But yeah, I mean, like, there, there's always stuff like that because, of course, like, like, I don't know, like, they need to put some sort of limits on it so you can understand how things work. But there needs to be a chink in the armor somewhere, or yeah. else nobody can come out on top. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess, uh, Josh, that's a really g- great point. I didn't know what the limit of these characters were. Like, yeah, I hate to reference this, but I'm going to reference it. When you back in the day, when you'd watched had watched lost and that first mm-hmm. season when you are interact- when you are interacting with the others like there's this feeling of dread with these characters this is feeling yeah. of like supernatural and it's like we you knew in that first season even though they were these mysterious characters you knew the limits right yeah. and then as you get to meet them more and you actually learn who these characters are you still know the limits, right? And it's not a perfect analogy, but when you come here, you look at the first episode and you're like, these characters are, are these players are just getting sniped left and right. And these, these uh, guards seem like extremely well-trained, but they can't spot a lighter. They're not guarding the bathrooms. And mm-hmm. it was interesting. You'd think that there would be like a few female guards going into the bathrooms or female guards, whatever, However, they section off the bathrooms. Well, they picked they the guards that were the most qualified. They interviewed female guards, but it just turns out none of them were qualified enough. They weren't interested in the position. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to touch on that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think there was a little bit of inconsistency in the um, who the guards exactly were, and even as it's revealed later on, who these characters are, and like kind of what they are still there's an inconsistency with um their training with their capabilities their abilities all that stuff so um i think that's one of the inconsistencies of the show that i hope if there is a season two that they kind of clear that up a little better and define that a little bit better i hope they make it more confusing 
More what? <laughs> More confusing. Thanks, Rich. Add layers that complicate it unnecessarily. Hmm. Sounds like uh, when I'm in my head trying to figure shit out, making things unnecessarily complicated. But anyways, <laughs> episode four. Let's jump in there. Player 111, a doctor, helps harvest organs from dead players in exchange for information on the next game from the staff. The staff purposefully create discordance among the players in order to, at night, cause dissension. And at that night, after the second game, there is a riot where players start attacking and killing each other. Um, The point there is to thin the herd, quote-unquote, organically. So player, as people are attacking each other and people are trying to survive and group up and save each other, player one, the elderly player, jumps on top of a bed and screams and implores everyone to stop fighting, in which the front man, the leader, um, sends the staff in at that point to stop the riot after many players have died. Saibyak, uh, the female character who mugged Player 456 at the beginning of the game, who has been a lone wolf up to this point, joins his team, and they have this moment where they all exchange names for the first time because they had been referring to each other as their number. They actually exchange names, which well, allows them to be a little bit vulnerable, <laughs> a little bit vulnerable, and um, start to trust each other because they realize after this riot... There's no way they're going to survive unless they start trusting each other and band together. And player one also reveals at this point that he has a brain tumor and he can't remember his name. So that's the that's the main point of episode four, basically getting people to band together and getting these alliances to really start um, solidifying and the 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 herd to be thinned and to see kind of the parameters of what's going on here. It's not just about the game. It's about psychological. There's, there's a lot of psychological aspect to this too. And if it isn't clear within the first two games that that it's the psychological aspect is a part of these games, it's clear in this episode. So, um, how did you guys feel about this episode? More, more needed exposition um i feel like this is the part where where you kind of talk about like oh the alliances where you, you you get that focus on what was already pretty much made clear but you're like okay these are the people we're rooting for like these are the handful of people that we're going to keep a closer eye on and mm-hmm. hope to succeed and much in the way of those other players there's almost sort of like a villain dichotomy drawn again <laughs> the real villains <laughs> of this are the upper class people pitting the lower class people against each other for their own interfuckingtainment but yes. it that it, they have to establish that in, internal struggle to make it compelling absolutely absolutely i um yeah i i think this is actually to me the most violent part of the entire show is this riot it's fucking bloody gruesome because you get the, like the first part of the episode is just building all this tension and it's just tightening that tension, making it worse that the first three episodes have been kind of starting to build towards. Obviously they have the releases with the first two games, but there's still a lot of tension there. And that's all episode four is just more tense, more tense, more tense, more tense until it just erupts in this riot and the the lights go off and immediately you start hearing screams left and right. And people are just 
getting brutally murdered and they're murdering each other. They're being, they have been psychologically forced to turn on each other. And I, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I felt this was the most violent episode. I think that's probably true. Um, unless we want definitely not the most on number, highest number of on-screen deaths that goes to, uh, the red light, green light episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that, that is essentially just, you're sniped and you're done. You know what I mean? But, but yeah. this is like mm-hmm. people removing, um, not pipes, but they're removing pieces of their furniture and just beating each other to death, choking each other with blankets, breaking each other's necks. I agree. Um, it is very cool. <laughs> very 13th warrior of them. But, um, yeah, I, man, I just was, I was on the edge of my seat this episode for sure. I think this is probably, uh, for me where it's like for other people, if they were kind of skeptical up to this point, this is like kind of the point of no return. You're kind of really seeing what these games involved, what these, what these people as in the staff are trying to do here, the lengths that these players are willing to go through to try and get that money because they're that far in a debt and they're that desperate. And also, that event is the the needed uh, narrative push to f- sort of force everyone's hands into drawing alliances because it very quickly becomes, well, we can't just go to sleep unless someone's watching our back. So we need to, you know, form into these little cliques and support each other or we're all just going to fucking murder each other until the, there's one person standing in this room. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys felt about this, and I'm curious to hear how you guys felt. During the riot, I was, and this is a credit to their writing, I was obviously, of course, worried about player 1456, Um, Uh, I was worried about player 199, I was worried about um, some of the players that they want you to care about, but I was especially worried about player number one, uh, the elderly player, because they do a really good job of showing the characters and their evading getting killed or they're circumventing these other players while other players are being murdered and you don't see player one and you're wondering oh fuck what's happening to this old man and even though it's a little bit predictable the way it's shot in the writing it i think is masterfully done during this riot to make you wonder oh fuck please don't let him be dead don't let him be dead and then he shows up on the bed and granted, it's a little heavy-handed where he's like, please stop fighting, you know, like, this is, you know, this is terrible, this is not what we should be doing, and then, of course, the front man sends the staff in to stop the riot. It's a little heavy-handed, but still, the writing up until that point, I think, was just expertly done, personally. I don't know. How'd you guys feel about that? I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't really measuring the stakes at this point, because I felt like we were still kind of finding our footing, and the quote-unquote main cast still felt safe to me. That's that's interesting. I didn't feel like they felt safe just because of the game establishing at this point. And maybe this is me being more gullible than you, but I felt like that the 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 TV show had established at this point that basically anybody could die. I agree, but also like the old man in particular had been given way too much screen time and exploration at this point for them to just toss him aside yeah. nonchalantly. Unless that was purposeful misdirection, yeah, like, I, like I, yeah, it was either eh, he's either strange. he's either going to die off screen and we'll find out at the very end, or he's completely safe. Are the only two options that you could you know you could tell about fifteen seconds in, like oh, there's they're not following him at all. Those are the only two options, so I can 
relaxed until then. Um, hmm. And honestly, that is one of the most frantically shot scenes basically anywhere because there is no cohesion from shot to shot as far as what they're showing because there's too much going on just scale-wise to really follow anything. Um, that You don't say that as a negative thing, right? You're just you're no, just like no, I'm just like out. there's and again, kind of because of that, it's more about just the carnage in general than that, you know. Right. Again, right. kind of like Rich I, is saying, I feel like everyone's that we that they followed up until this point is pretty safe just because that's not how you shoot that sort of scene or like a character death. If you're going to kill a character we're invested in, that's not how you do that, yeah. Um and I'm like the closest they come to following anybody is during that scene they follow the villains a lot. Um, like you see their gang starting fights a bunch. Their team murder. Yeah, at that point, and that's about the closest you come to any through line following all of the chaos going on in it. Uh, and I think it's just more about showing how deadly this threat is at that point. Yeah, absolutely. They do a really good job of that. And for me, when I was thinking about Player One during this whole sequence of events i thought like you said there are two possibilities there and the one where you said where he he dies off screen mm-hmm. i thought that that was equally a possibility where yeah. player 456 discovers uh player one's body and mm-hmm. then just becomes kind of not i wouldn't say an anti-hero he just become like he goes down a dark road where he like it says fuck the alliance i'm just gonna kill and yeah. do what i need to do to survive i thought that was going to be equally a possibility that, that's there. his uncle ben moment well yes like i i thought at that point I'm like he's either completely fine or this is going to be and i'm completely blanking on her name but cybiok no um fuck paris hilton the young one from hunger games oh katniss that's not the young one um, oh, I, I know. Uh, that's the only character I know from. I, I can't. I'm, I'm completely blanking on her name, Jennifer but in, Lawrence. But anyway, the young girl who's like the really innocent one who's good at hiding. And anyway, um, I'm mm. like, okay, this is they're this this maybe that's that that's what they're doing with the old man here. It's just, um, so it's, again, like you know, you're trying to trying to peg what they're what role they're having each character fill at this right, point what they're trying still. to set up yeah that's sure and that's exactly what i'm trying to say here like i think the the writing is very well done there to make it feel like either one of these possibilities is equally viable and granted it's mm-hmm. predictable and that's fine things can be predictable yeah. yet still masterfully written exactly so, so i thought that that this episode was probably one of the standouts of the show i know everybody talks about episode six but episode four i think was a very i think is a very well shot episode from beginning to end on how to build tension how to release that tension and how to show the stakes that exist and just yeah just the way it's shot like you said how frantic and Mm -hmm. dis uh disconnected that's probably not the ideal word there that that riot sequence is shot it just i think it's all just that episode is very well directed and shot and written. yeah, yeah. for sure one of my favorites all right episode five notes let's talk about the main points here the players play their third game tug of war 
Jihoon has a weaker team, unfortunately. They get a few random players to help join them, and when stacked against the other teams as they line up, looks pretty rough. They look like they're going to lose. But strategy from player one and Sangwoo help them win in a hilarious and cool little sequence. Uh, we could describe it here, but I would just advise if you haven't watched it at this point, go watch it. It's a fun little sequence. Players fear another riot after the third game and begin to build barricades when they get back to the big warehouse room. Jihoon points out to Dyoksu, which is the criminal, which is the guy we've been talking about, um, the guy who becomes an antagonist, that his team of ne'er-do-wells will eventually turn on him because they will want to be the main guy and they will want the money. I'm the protagonist. Mm -hmm. This forces Dyoksu to stop any kind of riot plans that night. Junho learns of the organ harvesting, and remember, Junho is the detective. I know there's a lot of names here, so I like to, you know, keep you guys remembering. The front man also learns of the organ harvesting and executes all the staff involved, including player 111, the doctor. This causes Dyaksu and his team to no longer have access to knowing what game is coming next. The front man and staff learn that Junho has infiltrated the games. Junho hides in the front man's office, and he learns that the game has gone on for 30 plus years, and his brother was the winner in 2015. So there, there are a lot of interesting implications in this episode. Um, I think the main one that I want to mention here, because a lot of this is kind of also, a lot of this episode is build up to what we're going to see in the next episode and the subsequent episodes. I think one of the main things here is there is some foreshadowing that happens and it's really big foreshadowing. And um, without exactly revealing it, I, I will just say that Junho learning about the games and his brother, I think that the, how early they revealed this kind of foreshadowing and how direct the foreshadowing is, is in part what made the payoff of this particular plot line not as rewarding because it was so direct the the, the foreshadowing is so it direct was, here yeah it was pretty obvious and I, I think the other light that wasn't clear to me when they bring it up earlier is when you find out his brother won in 2015 i'm like immediately was like wait how long has his brother been missing because he's acting like this is something that happened yesterday right yeah exactly but then again i mean it's not explicitly clear if this is like in 2020 or 2021, I I don't think. I'm Maybe I'm wrong. Sure there. It's, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like 2020. I think they say it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you might be right, actually. And if that oh, is either the way, case, like just timeline right. wise, yeah, it's been a long time um, since his brother's been gone. But anyway. The, the other thing, I was taking some notes about this show in case we talked about it ever when I was watching it. And one of the first notes I wrote down during this episode was Survivor Legends, because I was like, in let's do a season two where it's all returning Squid Game champions. Mm -hmm. That would be dope. But uh, <laughs> to go back to what we're talking about with Junho, one thing that I guess I think would have been a benefit for the viewer is to have just a little bit more of a window into what Junho's relationship was with his brother before he went missing. Because 
yeah, he's been missing for questionably five years. If um, I'm sure you guys are right that it's supposed to take place in 2020. Yet he feel like, like you said, it feels like suddenly he has this desperation to find his brother. Yeah, the way he talks about it is like this is something he's been like his brother went missing a few weeks ago or something. Right, and it's well, that's and the, like I think he did. I think is the the deal because again. <sighs> Based on what we learn later, you might be right. I yeah. think he, yeah, you might he went re-missing, which doesn't make sense, like, financial reasons why, but, like, his landlady hasn't cleared out his apartment yet. He hasn't been gone for five years, and she hasn't cleaned out his apartment. Um, well, I don't think he just exists at the Squid Games this entire well, time. no, no, imagine. but it's still, it still seems, you know, why is he still living in this shitty apartment? um I, maybe to be won. unsuspecting you know like so there is i guess a radar but like him. you can only be so unsuspecting with you know that much money there there's missing pieces that we don't have yeah and it's hard to get super invested in either of those characters when we don't know the, yeah it, it there's just too many blank like spots this would have been that. a more interesting plot line if it were if this were a multi-season show and this were like a season three plot line about a character's from season one's brother you know you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and the, the and there there are some interesting implications as this as junho's story um develops later on that we'll touch upon because i have i have an interesting i think we have an interesting um aspect of a story to talk about there but yeah i think we would have benefited from learning a little bit more about their relationship that we could we could understand why all of a sudden he feels a sense of urgency. I think we would have benefited from um, understanding, I guess, a little bit more about the front man. In is he after the game's ending, he just goes back home and kind of lives a normal life, or he show like he gives off the illusion that he's living a normal life. What exactly happens it, here? Because un- if if each time like these Squid Games happen. His brother, uh, um, Junho's. Huh. We're kind of already revealing what's going oh, on. Oh, you here. already, you already did. You already yeah. did. Yeah, I just realized that. Oops. Um, <laughs> I mean, again, oh, well, like we said, it's not spoiler cast. I don't think it matters what order we spoil it in. No, 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 no. Um, when the Squid Games happen, presumably Junho's brother disappears for an undisclosed amount of time, and then he comes back. Why all of a sudden? Would it seem like he's disappearing? Like this Maybe time, he like he's give, been doing this. He didn't give notice this regularly time. for the a, last five years, but this time he really cares. Well, maybe he was on a wait list. Like that's why I think it could have been. Um, it could have been done in a more interesting way. If, like, let's say after the first time, like he disappeared now and lived a totally different life, and if the story we were given is like, and this would make me believe this detective is investing investing in this, if he's like. My brother disappeared five years ago, and the only thing they found in this apartment was this card, and we were never able to find him. And yeah. that's why I became a detective. And, like, that's a much more interesting plot line to me. Yeah, that or, like, like you said, he was on a wait list, and then suddenly you're like, oh, my oh brother, boy, you know, five years ago, year. five years mm-hmm. ago kind of disappeared for a few days, but he returned. And he this wouldn't talk about it when he came for back. a lot longer, and he's not giving any notice. So now it really is set off um my radar yeah. and that's why you know like if it would have just been like a 30 second explanation of that i think it would have gone a long way yeah and why didn't wouldn't he pay his landlady in advance and be like hey i'm gonna be gone for a few months 
Yeah, I get that's again. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm like I like, I get There's trying to stay below the radar, but going without paying your rent is not staying below the radar. Like that's, that's a way to, to cause problems. Like yes. it, it's a like it's a thing exactly. Like hey, here's the next six months of rent. I'm gonna be gone for a few months. I'm not sure how long. I just wanted to give you some money in advance. Yeah, so you don't throw out all my shit while I'm gone. Yeah, like yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and. Again, we'll not, not, not like the, the antagonists are, like, you know, infallible or anything, but it just seems like a very stupid decision. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You especially a game that's in his position gone up for 30 plus more. years. But, I mean, at the same time, this level of dissension and what happens in this game, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it feels like it's unprecedented at this point. That it's kind of like a, this particular Squid Game is just a shit show. Things have gotten and worse think, and worse. And, and maybe that yeah. just speaks to who the front man is and like their selection and stuff like that. Um, that being a shit show. And maybe that speaks to kind of what some of the stuff we're talking about right now. So I heard, um, I heard they're doing the squid yeah. games at the Barclay center this year. <laughs> Lieutenant Barclay from star Trek next generation. He's no, the, hosting Bar- it. The, the Barclay center in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um the other the other major thing that I really like in this episode is that conversation between Jihoon and Dyaksu, the criminal uh character, about where Jihoon's like, Hey, I mean like Dyaksu's like, you know these barricades aren't gonna protect you from us killing you and he's like, Well, you just gotta look at your own team because eventually they're gonna turn on you and I, I really like that kind of I'm not trapped in here with aspect. you. You're trapped in You're trapped here with, in me. with me. <laughs> Yeah. Where's my face? <laughs> I just love that the psychological warfare starts taking place not only within the staff trying to cause dissension, but also that these characters are realizing like, hey, we can use this yeah. too. Yeah. You yeah. can play your so little I, game. I really like that sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Um So, the one the one other thing I guess I would say is that I I didn't feel like really got a clean resolution, which, which it doesn't necessarily need to have a clean resolution. It's not the biggest deal at the end of the at the end of the day. Uh, the whole organ harvesting bit was like, oh, whatever. Like I thought that was yeah, going to go somewhere, and it really I didn't. And, to know and more about that, I don't know if it that. really needed to go anywhere. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I was just like, huh, okay, that's a thing to happen. If there is a season two, I hope they do something with that because. Obviously, those guys were selling to somebody who knew something about what was happening. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that whole organ harvesting thing could be how the cops end up coming down on this whole operation. You know what would be a cool implication? They'll finally get put away the, for tax evasion. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, sir, they were harvesting organs. Yeah, that too. Whatever. This whole I Squid Games co- thing was a tax shelter. Mm-hmm. I think a cool twist they could do with that is like that's how the rich people are rich or some is, of the current rich people are rich is like one of them or two of them are involved in the organ harvesting and they're selling all these organs and that's how they're continuing to fund their richness and fund the game in part mm-hmm. i so stealing the labor just isn't profitable mm-hmm. enough we need to steal their bodies at this point <laughs> well how are we going to keep our workers working mm-hmm. um i sell the lungs <laughs> And I keep the dicks. And I pummel the anus before you sell the organs. Anyways, uh, episode six. Uh, this is the uh, the big episode. This is the one where a lot of people 
were like, this episode wrecked me. And admittedly, this episode had me in tears at the end this of it. This is a Marvel's um, episode? Yes. Yes. This okay. is the infamous Marvel's episode. This is the most crushing episode of the entire show, I feel. Um, Junho watches the front man take a call about the VIPs arriving. The VIPs decide to come to the games to watch in person. The fourth game has the players pair up, and they think they're going to be as uh, to be teammates. That's the way it's framed. So, of course, Jihoon pairs with player one. Sangwoo pairs with Ali, or player 199. Saibyak pairs with player 240, which is another female kind of lone wolf character so the two lone wolves and she was on the tug of war team as well yes exactly Mm -hmm. and come to find out that they had a lot more in common than they thought they did but anyways the players actually must play any kind of marble game with each other within 30 minutes and the win condition is taking all of your partner's marbles and the player who loses all their marbles gets executed so it's actually not a partner game but it's a mono imano face-off with marbles so i mean that's the first gut punch right there you think like oh these players are going to be pitted up are pitting up together or pairing up together to fight other pairs or something and yeah player 456 pairing with player one because player one's like no one needs to pair with me i'm old i'm just gonna hold you back and he's like no 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 he's like and then he's like jackpot (laughs) he's like no 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 i will well that's before that he's like i know i i'm going to of course, pair with you. I won't let you, you know. Do this on be... your own, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then when they drop that heater of a of a twist, you're like, oh, my fucking God. And, like, the acting there just sells it so well. But anyways, I'm jumping ahead. But let to, me get to be to fair, other... turns out they did get a little screwed uh, jumping ahead a little bit when we learn later what happens to the one player who is left alone. Right, right, exactly. Um, player 240 lets Cybok win with a heartfelt conversation between the two. Um, we're definitely going to be talking about that. Sung Woo is about to lose, but tricks Ali into giving him all of his marbles. And then Ali is killed in a very sad, unsatisfying way. And the most emotional sequence for me in the whole show, which had me in tears, is Jihoon and Player One. Um, <laughs> they are Ganbu. And player one's name is O-Il-Nam, which uh, translates into something very interesting, which we'll talk about later, but that whole sequence. So I'm kind of being vague here. That way we can discuss each part of these that we want to talk about. Um, I guess the first thing we can mention here is the VIPs arriving. Definitely. I I mean, this is the whole point of Junho. One of the main points of Junho's whole plot line and we're getting them there so it's interesting that they're coming to um see the games in person because it's it's felt like this squid like i said in the last episode this squid game has been kind of a shit show so it's like oh the vip is arriving i wonder how the shit show is going to kind of continue you know what i mean but um i yeah like how did you guys feel about that twist of uh these uh, players are pairing up to compete only to find out they're facing off against each other. Was that as gut punch, gut punching for you as it was for me? Not quite. Cause I kind of saw it coming. Yeah. I kind of like, yeah, no, like you don't split up into teams that small to then 
play against each other. It just doesn't. They're, they're anyway. I didn't see them doing a two on two game. Yeah, I, I, I figured like they're lulling you into that sen- sen- uh, safe. Like, all right, safety in twos. But like, no, you're you're picking your opponent. I think like one of the more background gut punchy things is, and they, they talk about this a little after even one of the teams is husband and wife who came there together. Oh God, yes. And that is just horribly fucking depressing. Yeah, that that's one thing I I wasn't sure I wanted to mention, but I'm glad you're mentioning it now. Is yeah, obviously the husband and wife pair up together, and then you learn that, and you're like, oh my fucking god. And then the what happens in the next episode, which we'll briefly touch on, is even more gut punching, I think. But um, that's fair. Like I I thought it, like I didn't know at this point. I was like maybe they're gonna have a two on two arm wrestling competition or something like that. You you didn't know. I I didn't know. So they're playing. But I think cornhole. you guys are right in hindsight. Yeah, they're playing they... cornhole exactly. <laughs> they're playing darts. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, uh, Julian. Yeah. Darts. Like um, there are plenty of games that are two on two, but yeah. like I that's not something I expect this show to do, and I don't think like the fact that that idea is predictable is bad because they do cool things with it and yeah. it becomes a fun mo- fun is the completely the wrong word it becomes a well-written moment to learn more about these characters and a lot of them just sort of like take the time to lament and just be like listen one of us is about to die so we need to kind of come to peace with that yeah and like and to kind of expand upon with what you're saying there i think this episode is the greatest example of kind of showing who these characters are at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um you have uh what's his name jaksu i believe is his name if i no jaksu excuse me jaksu the the criminal character yeah he is facing off against one of his quote-unquote subordinates sort of right hand thug yeah and the subordinates like look dude it's me or you i'm gonna fucking destroy you and jaksu is doing anything in his power to try and weasel his way out of it. Dyaksu has no plan. He's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants, which it seems like he's done all his life, and he's just relied on luck and strength to get through. He's, like, brute-forcing his way, and he he's fortunate that he succeeds in what he's trying to do here. But he literally there's... makes up a game, and we should note, because I'm not sure if you did, Jay, I don't believe you did, they spell out at the beginning, like, you cannot take the marbles by force. Yes. If you try and do like do this by force, we will kill you. Like you need yeah. to play a game and win them. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So I mean, that shows his character, um, which we'll touch talk about player four fifty six and player one later. You have Song Wu, who um, is just a piece of shit, and tries mm-hmm. to use or he successfully uses manipulation on on Ali, and Ali is just this like very caring devoted loyal character who just gets completely fucked over and you you see that like that, that's foreshadowed you know that's it, coming it just sucks, it though, sucks because ali is genuinely likable he has a wife and a kid waiting for him and he just wants to believe that this man he met is in fact going to look out for mm-hmm. him and has his best interests at heart yeah and i, th- I think obviously yeah we don't need and, to mention uh, it too, too much it just ha- it has real world implications for <laughs> being too too gullible or too naive about being a class traitor because again kind of sangwoo's whole thing is that he wants to think he's a good guy even though he's taking advantage of everyone around him uh like you see him several times even though he's massively in debt and can't take care of himself 
he, he always dresses nice regardless. He always will give money to people around him. Look how benevolent I am. He, he's it's like, no, I'm not a poor like you. His, his whole oh, thing also... is being manipulative and thinking he's better than he is. Um, just we also should probably note, I don't think we mentioned this during the, the Honeycomb game. There is a brief moment where they're all trying to figure out what the game is, and he's pretty sure he knows what it is, but he no, doesn't I say that. anything. Okay, I, I, I couldn't. I, we've been here for a while. I honestly couldn't remember. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, no, I mentioned that. Yeah, that's okay. that's that's the first major moment where but, you yeah. really like. Okay, it is important is to, to circle back around to this because that yeah. stuff just kind of keeps escalating. Yeah, yeah the, for that sure. whole yeah. that whole giving himself an advantage any way he can and taking advantage at the expense of his teammates. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean that speaks to both of those two uh, players and their character. Uh, one of the best acted scenes in this entire show is between Cybiok and Player Two Forty. That that was so phenomenal, and especially when you consider that the actress who plays Cybiok—I unfortunately can't remember her name at the moment—I'll look it up um, here in a second. But this is her first acting gig ever, and oh, she she's fucking fan- she's phenomenal lays in this mm-hmm. show. And actually, I don't know if you guys had seen this uh, on YouTube. Netflix has released some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff on this. And I was watching how they filmed this this sequence, and it was so intense. And, like, I rarely feel like that when they're showing behind-the-scenes stuff, that it's intense. But, like, they're yelling at each other, and they're going through this. And then when the director yells cut or they stop and they get through their dialogue, uh, Cybiok, uh you know, just turns away and she's actually legitimately crying and you can see her just decompressing. And I was like, holy Mm -hmm. fuck. That's like, that is, that is the level they're at with this show. And they were talking about in this behind the scenes about how, how much went into the show. Um, It's interesting Mm -hmm. because they talk about there, there's hardly any CGI used. So all the, all the sets that you see are designed. None of that's almost none of that is CGI. They built all of these sets so you know you have the giant red light green light set that's all built the the tug of war scene i was watching uh one of the behind the scenes of them assembling that massive um area that's all real the fucking crazy stairwell corridor yes that's real too and so the acting here is insane and there's there have been some interviews where they're like we really you know it's it's an expression we put our lives on the line to film this they really put everything they had into that and it's just amazing to me that um the actress who plays the cybiok this is her first gig and just how impressive her performance is but also mm-hmm. not only that she talks about how the other actresses and actors on the show were very kind and supportive of her and they were just they had this relationship all with each other to give each other tips to bring out the best in mm. each other and to bring out the most out of their performances and it shows in the scene because even player 240 she's amazing in it as well and yeah yeah such yeah. an amazing scene especially when you know all that behind the scenes stuff absolutely yeah, yeah that, that was, whole scene of them was so sh- drained watching that i just wanted to mention that yeah, yeah, absolutely. The whole scene of them sort of like sharing their lives and like what's waiting for them when they get out of there, and I, they become one of the the bigger investments of that episode of that episode to me because of the way they they both sort of immediately decide what they want to do, 
is like let's just play one round winner take all since we know you know one of us is going to die and let's just kind of talk for a little while so like one of us is going to die let's just have a conversation and get to know each other in our final moments yeah i like i think it really speaks to the cybox character just because up until this point she's been so guarded um one thing that i didn't mention that i should have mentioned is that she is an immigrant from north korea and the reason why she's doing this game is basically to get her she escaped north korea with her brother and um her brother her mother's in, and her mother's still there right yeah her mother's still mm-hmm. there and her brother is in basically the equivalent of an orphanage and she wants to win this game to take the money to get her brother out of the orphanage and then to rescue her mother as well and so she's been extremely guarded up until this point and to just see her open up just reveals what you kind of like has been foreshadowed to be there all along is there's this deeply caring individual and um, who just has her guard up at all times because she's come from a very hard life Mm -hmm. yes yes so um again the episode reveals the true nature a lot of these characters and i think that really brings us to the most emotional sequence in the whole show is between jihoon and player one because what ends up happening is player one starts forgetting what's happening as they're playing the game and Jihoon, our player 456, is like, well, I'm about to lose and die. Do I die and let this man, you know, go on? Or do I manipulate the situation? And it very much speaks to his character. And, like, of course, if we were in the situation, would most of us manipulate to not die? Probably. Life and we situation. can't really fault him for that. Because it's like win a lot of money, save my mother's life, get out of debt, be able to live and manipulate this man and lie because he's his mental faculties are failing him or just let myself die. And I think I think that really speaks to I've heard a lot of people talk shit on player 456 being a generic lame character and I I hate that analysis because Player 456 is supposed to represent the average person who's not rich and what you would do in these situations. And, and this anyone is who says they wouldn't do that, that is a fucking liar. <laughs> well, or mm-hmm. it's just insanely rich. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And it's heartbreaking, too, because you're like, you empathize so much with Player 456 at this moment that you have this old man and it's like, this is so fucked up that I have to do this. Like you put you like for me, I put myself in that situation. Um, again, credit to the writing of man. If I had to do this, I would feel just as shitty as player Four Fifty Six doing it, but I would still do it to survive. And it's so sad. And then he eventually gets all the, all the marbles. He thinks he does, but then player one reveals, I actually have one marble left and then the other bomb player one knew all along what player 456 was doing mm-hmm. he knew yeah. the, but he said and this is the part that i was like oh fuck and this is when the tears started falling um right when they start right before they start the game player one calls player 456 and him ganbu which means like friends forever in korean and so player 456 and player one are in the replica of player one's house, which is again, foreshadowing for later. But anyways, um, 
Well, and I might talk player... about this at the end. There's a whole other theory about this that yeah, comes exactly. in with things uh, Player 456 says about his own home, and but we'll, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, player 1 reveals, you know, like I said, that he knew all along, and Player 456 is like, why? Why did you let this happen? And he's like because we're ganbu and i was like oh fucking shit and i was just like the tears are falling and i was like you fucking shitty show and like it got me <laughs> i care now now i care <laughs> yeah and uh so ilnam uh player one loses his last marble and then he says go on and win the game and player 456 walks out of the house turns the corner and he hears ilnam shot and Fuck, did that destroy me? I sat there and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, that this was, episode. Um, for some perspective, I watched mm-hmm. that episode at like two in the morning and then I just had to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you gotta leave the scene of the crime. You just gotta like take a breath of fresh air. Well, I passed like I passed some guy in the street just looking down with headphones on. He's like, Did you just watch episode six of Squid Game too? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you too? And you're like, yeah. And then suddenly you just like had this parade of like 20 people just kind of like plodding along, shaking we're all, your heads. We're all Ganbu now. We got coffee together. Mm-hmm. You guys know that episode in um, Hot Fuzz that's kind of parodying, like where there's a main character going down the street, like motivated, like he's going to do the thing. And then all of a sudden the people off the street start joining him. Like you guys remember that, that part in Hot Fuzz? No, I haven't seen okay. Hot Fuzz in years, but that's been done in a lot of things. Yeah, it's been done in a lot of things, but that's just the first one that came to mind. But anyways, that's exactly what happened with Rich. Like, he's walking down the street, and then, like you said, somebody saw you and said, episode 6-2, huh? And then he joined you, and then suddenly you had other people just joining, and it was just the episode we, 6 support mm-hmm. walk. We were all just holding marbles in our hands. <laughs> exactly. Like, but, I don't um, even know where I fucking got this. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, did this episode fuck you up? Or were you just like, eh? Um... Again, like this is kind of some of the best character writing in the series is this episode. It is ridiculously strong um, because they do spend so much time kind of getting all this character development um, between the, you know, all, all, all the, all the characters that you care about at this point. It's just, um, it's excellent. Like this is, this is one of the best episodes out there even even if again kind of like i i feel like the the setup of it i'm like like oh you're taking your picking your partner i'm like that's not going to be your partner um like it's it you see it coming and it doesn't matter because it like Cause the execution is so good yeah every like again like this is the whole death game framework doesn't need to have like everyone keeps on trying to change the rules like oh this one's slightly different because x and x i'm like just just Character, you need characters that we care about. Like, you're not going to change the rules of a dumb hypothetical death game to somehow make it to make that the interesting part of it. Um, the people are the interesting part. They it, in stories like this, they always are. Yeah, and and this episode shows that off. I think better than better than most. Um, For sure. I, one thing I was thinking about when watching this episode is it reminded me a lot of The Walking Dead, where the beginning of The Walking Dead is very much about the zombie apocalypse and kind of the plight there. But as the show has evolved, it's tried to be more about 
the the characters and the relationship and development um i'm not going to talk about the quality of that there obviously that's low-hanging fruit um <laughs> but where i think this there's a similar similarity there where this show starts out where it's about death and the money and the games mm-hmm. but then this episode really kind of hones in on that character development and that what's happening there yeah. and because it's such a localized incident um and the way they shoot it in the writing and everything this is the way you do that yeah um so it, it reminded me a little bit of that it's yeah it's it's definitely also i said episode four is one of my favorite episodes in the show this is also obviously my other favorite episode and a lot of other people's and for good reason mm-hmm. it's the it's the episode most people are talking about and uh there are reasons why which now you yep. know so all right we got a little bit more and uh i'm surprised we're going on this long i thought it was gonna be like a half hour episode <laughs> no this is a. I mean like the the chomping after dark is, i thought it was gonna be a half hour episode no we had a yep. lot to say but that's okay Episode 7, the VIPs arrive to view the games in person and to gamble on the events, to gamble with human lives. I mean, this is something we've seen in a lot of shows. Still fucked up no matter how many times you see it. One of the VIPs starts sexually propositioning Junho, who has been behind the mask in secret. And um, the VIP demands that they go into a private room. Junho pulls the gun out and threatens him for information regarding the games. So, um, threatening to blow this whole thing wide open. And we see the fifth game take place where the remaining players, I think there are 16 at this point, must jump from glass platform to glass platform. Um, There are two panels side by side on a track. One of them is tempered glass and one is normal glass that can't hold weight. And the only players that make it to the other side are Sangwoo, Jihoon, player 456, and Sai Byok. So this, it's really interesting. We see a lot of play, players die here. Some of the remaining main characters. We see uh, Juxu die. We see um, some of the other remaining characters die as well. And we, the other players finally get to see the true nature of Sangwoo which was kind of there for us. Super to see nice all guy. Along. Yeah. Stellar individual. But um, let's first kind of talk about the, the VIP section. Cause that's such a big portion of this episode where they're just kind of looking on. And I found this part so fucking corny. And I think you're supposed to find it that way. I think that's intentional, but the way that um, these VIPs are depicted is just like to industry. Mm-hmm. I th- well, it's it's <laughs> rubble, so rubble, rubble. it's so caricature of Westerners, and I th- the show that has been so nuanced up until this point. I felt this was just, like this particular point was kind of lazy. To be honest with you, I think it is the the weakest written part of the show. Like, yeah, this is a, a, if you watch any K dramas, this is kind of. A lot of the American businessmen that show up are just whatever random white person they can find to do the role who may or may not even be an actor. And They are always of... wearing those masks, though, which is strange. Yeah, well, I never until, got that until, until the, now. Like the sexual propositioning one where uh, Junho rips off the mask. That yeah. is the only point you get to see. But... Um, it's, it... 
I I was so taken out of the moment where that that I don't guy know why this is a show about rich people having poor people fight to the death for their enjoyment. Like, it, it, like it, they should all have waxed mustaches that they're constantly twirling. Like, why <laughs> why would they even attempt to be subtle at this point? The the whole point of this is to just show how grotesque what they're already doing is but you know make it literal like there's yeah. no subtlety already and like i i get that it really oh, shines a spotlight grapes. on how completely unsubtle it is um i think there could have been a little bit but, of nuance with that though because it, like the rest of the show has that nuance and then you have this one of the the VIP's coming in and says, I'm pl- choosing player 69. <laughs> you know why. And then that guy dies. Oh, and it's, it's like, the who, sex number. Who are you going to bet on next? I I'm just got bet that. on player 96 because it's the opposite of 69. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> come on. You know, I mean, like, there are people like that that exist. So, you know, man, I didn't get that. More so just because that type of person actually exists. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I don't know. No, I didn't it get just... it. That actually is really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't know like the the uh, the caricature of what the VIPs and the American or the westerners I should say how they were represented. It's not that like I took offense to it. It just was like this is lazy. Oh no, I'm certainly not offended by it. It it is just that as you're saying like it is the laziest feeling thing and it I think it is glaringly like the worst writing. It is yeah. and again like it's there's no nuance to be found there. The whole point is that everything about this is evil. You don't need to know their reasons for why they're doing this. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. And the issue is that they focused on it for so fucking long. Like, I, there was no reason for that to even be a scene other than, like, It should have been in passing. It should have been in passing. Um, like, just, I mean, they basically did this. Just go back to reaction shots of them, you know, cackling maniacally or, or getting angry that their horse lost a race as someone you care about dies. <laughs> like, they it's, could have, it's yeah, one they banana, they, they could have paired what can it, it way cost? $10? Back. Yeah, exactly. They could, they could have, have paired they could it have way had it less back. with, like, dialogue so, and just showing them betting money. Yeah. Yeah, they could have gotten by with with less. Like, they tried to flesh it out. They tried to flesh out something that was already a caricature, and there's nothing to flesh out about that. So, because they are, as you said already, Josh, they are mustache twirling villains. Yes, and like I think that was the main issue is that they should have just left it more Which, vague. It's glaring only because in a show filled with nuanced characters. Yeah the villains end up having zero nuance. My my only thought as to why they're doing that they, they focus on it as long as they are is because if they do a second season, it's just it's it, uh, it's it's just going to be going going completely John Wick on everybody. Um so like they needed to have a, a couple recognizable not faces, but masks. They they needed to show off their their masks, so you'd be able to know which mask they're gonna go kill for for each and, episode. And also, it might be a season two thing because it's suddenly then, becoming Hotline Miami. 
Exactly. Uh, I'd watch that. Yep. But no, that's the thing. It might be just that, like, because now if they do do a season two and all of a sudden those characters have a larger role, they might just recast them all together. Yeah. Which I would hope. (laughs) I think some of those actors were atrocious. Yeah. No, again, like, again, I think the masks are the important part. But it's about sending a message. I think they could have. I, I think they could have shown the masks less and and or I I don't know. Like like they could have found a better way to highlight it so you cared about it in the next season if that's what they're going for sort of yeah. a, a thing. Um, yeah, and when you can when you consider the these VIPs when you, as juxtaposition to the final twist, it's really confusing. So, I think we'll, we'll talk about the rest of that a little bit later. Because obviously there there's more to delve into with this particular plot line, but yeah, it just I I hate that, like I hate to say that we keep harping on this, but like it's it's just yeah it's, it's the very weakest weak. part of the show yeah it's it yeah it's thin maybe is the best way to describe that but anyways um, I really like this game setup because I like how all these other ones are children's games and then this is definitely not a children's game. <laughs> Like, at one point, were you on the playground like, oh, let me jump from glass panel you to glass panel? You don't remember playing that as a kid? I do not. Death Bridge not. is, like, my favorite game growing up. It's, it's kind of it like an extreme how it is, it's I guess. Lit- I guess, but, like... I do miss my cousin, though. But, like, you're right. Literally everything else was some sort of kid's game, and they don't even try to Even the last tie game, it the in. game after this. Yeah. They don't even try to tie it into something. Like, oh, this is totally like that. They just completely ignore it. Like, no, this is just a thing we're doing now. Um, don't don't you wish they were like, eh, it's a death bridge. Fuck it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, no idea is too stupid. Who cares? What are you gonna do? Say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a bit confusing. Which, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I I didn't really consider it that heavily. I was just like, oh, this yeah. is not really children's game. Oh well. I, I, I don't we're think that's playing the, the tetherball. The yeah. ball is a bomb. I don't know. We're yeah. running out of ideas. Yeah. But yeah. the the big the big thing here is obviously seeing Song Wu reveal his true nature to the remaining two players, Saibyaka and Ji Hoon. Mm-hmm. At the very end, yes. Yes. And also uh the thing I didn't mention, which I should have mentioned, is uh Saibyak getting injured as the as the uh front man blows up the remaining glass, shoots all these shards. And one of the shards hits Saibyak in the in this abdomen and uh, critically wounds her. And I thought, I guess this is more the the following episode, but um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But that's what happens. But anyways, mm-hmm. Song Wu kind of revealing his true nature. I I did think was very satisfying in the way that he does it. Like there are four players left. They have one more glass panel to decide which is which before they get to the other side. And they're about to run out of time because, of course, there's a time limit. And he just shoves the guy and makes him plummet to his death. And I was like, that is a really satisfying way to reveal that character's true nature to other players. Um, I really enjoyed that sequence. Yeah, the pure moment of panic. Every time I think of this game now, unfortunately, I think of... uh the ways around it like i i really like the whole glass maker tick where like he's like oh i could tell if i look at it at the right angle yeah and they end up you know shutting the lights off on him all these other ideas like but uh for a while i was saying like they were pretty far apart but i feel like somebody maybe could have stretched a leg and like given it a tap i don't know 
Well, I, well, I, I mean, I, I understand I like, like for narrowing the field down as much as possible going into the end, like he needed to fall. But I kind of think it would have been more satisfying for him to get for him to shove the guy and it be Onto a pa- panel that one. didn't break. Yeah. So there's immediate the consequences for him being an asshole. Um, not just We're, oh, now the other two know it, but like he just shoved a guy and <laughs> but now he's fine. Like, um, that's true. That that now would have been cool, but like you, yeah. they needed to get him out. That yes, no, no, like random character out of the way. It, for sure, it was it was way more expedient for him to just die there. But for sure, I would have liked I, to see it. I I really liked that moment though, where that that character who yeah he can recognize the glass. He's like, do you have anything to throw? And player four fifty six has the the final mar the last marble that mm-hmm. um. Ilnam gave to him and he kept as kind of like a memento for player one or Ilnam giving his life and then he's like I get, this is the only thing we have and then he throws the marble and then that's how they discover the second to last glass is ex- like which one to jump on and then they have nothing else and I, I love that sequence too just where they're literally giving anything they have and everything they have to just survive and get to that final stage um i thought that was a really cool moment again for sure brilliant writing there so yep all right episode eight we have this one and one more to go so the remaining three are gifted an interesting fancy dinner um they are gifted to a feast and they have to wear these interesting suits uh jihoon suggests that he and saibyak team up but she reveals that she was injured in the last game, as I previously mentioned. She makes them promise that whoever wins the game will help take care of the other's family. So if Saibyak wins, she will take the money and get the procedure for Jihoon's mother. If Jihoon wins, he will get her brother out of the orphanage, um, make sure he's taken care of, basically. Was anybody else as incredibly annoyed at him during this very long exchange as I was, where he keeps doing the atypical, like, don't say that. We're both we're both going to get out of here. And I'm like, bro, just shut up and agree. Just, like, put her mind at ease. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, no, I wasn't annoyed by that. Because it's like, if you were in, like, the whole point of this character is to be if you were in that position. And I, I think if you were in that position, you know, I think, or if I was, at least, I would probably do the same thing. I wouldn't just be like, okay. Don't- well, no, no, I wouldn't be just okay. I would still be like, you're like, you're, you don't need to say that you're going to make this through this. But yeah, I, I promise you, if mm-hmm. something happens to you, I will make sure he's taken care of. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's the emotional trauma and the psychological trauma that they've just dealt with as well. So I think that like, also for player 456, um, it's like, you are my only tether to surviving this as well. Because basically, mm-hmm. he's going to have to go off. excuse excuse me he's gonna have to go against his childhood friend so he's just been betrayed and he realizes how the betrayal and how deep it runs and he's like you are my only other source of stability in this place i think that's why he's like don't say that don't talk like that because it's just about it's about just as much for him as it is for her like of course he wants to comfort her but it's also like fucking don't he does not outright saying it but he's like don't leave me because yeah. that I really have to face off against my childhood friend alone. So I, to me, it made a lot of sense. I like, I didn't second guess it once, but I get your point. Um, let me mention the other few things really quickly before we um, completely reflect on this episode. So she worsens 
and Jihoon goes to get help. He starts rapping on the door, screaming, someone come help, she's dying. And this part I, I knew was coming the second. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go get help. Uh, finally, somebody comes in, and he turns back, and Sangwoo is there having slit her throat and executed her. Junho attempts to pass the information of the games along as he has escaped the compound, but he cannot get the information through with the weak and poor reception. So he continues to try and climb the island to get to higher ground to find a place of reception while he's being chased by some of the staff and the front man. He's trapped at the edge of a cliff and confronted by the front man, who reveals himself to be Inho, Junho's brother. Inho shoots Junho, and Junho falls into the ocean. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, so, first thing, yeah, obviously we talked about the Saibyak and Jihoon exchange. I, yeah, I, there was a mo- there was not a moment in this show more foreshadowed, I think, than Sangwoo executing Saibyak. And I know there have been a lot of people online saying the wrong person won the games. Um, because a lot of people felt like Saibyak should have been the one to get out of the games. I disagree with that notion, but like, I want to know how you guys felt about that. I, I get what they mean in the sense of like, oh, I, I think maybe she, you, you wanted her to have a better shot. I think it was very clear that was not going to happen. Um, she was supposed to be like this, this pushing point. Like, did she deserve to win? I don't disagree with that, but um, I think it was pretty obvious what way this was going to go. The only thing more obvious was that front man reveal. Oh, that's true. That too. Yeah. I guess you mm-hmm. good point there. Yeah. Yeah. I like for me, and I guess we're, we're kind of revealing that Jihoon wins the squid game, which you know is going to happen, but and then he becomes uh, a K-pop star. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm assuming absolutely. based off his haircut. Exactly. Yes. Uh, like Jihoon has to win because to me, he is, he is us, you know, the average person who would be in these games. He is us. And the whole point of this first season is to say, if you were in this, this is likely what you would do as well. So naturally he's trying to get her help because that's what any average person with any level of empathy would do. And unfortunately it backfires on him as she's executed by his childhood friend. I mean, of course that's going to happen. And of course he's going to escape and be the one to win because that's not to, not to say the average one of us would necessarily win the game, but if we had come that far, you know, like those sequence of events that happen happen that way, because that's likely the choices we would make. And the the whole show is trying to say something about you and what you would do and how you would react, especially after winning the game. But we'll get into that, obviously, in the last episode a little bit more. I just wanted to mention, I know a lot of people feel like Saibyak deserved to win. And while I, of course, wanted her to win and I wanted her to survive somehow, it it makes perfect sense to me that Player 456 was the one made it out and it, yeah it sucks that Saibyak died because she's such a phenomenal force on the show in terms of acting and both th- as the character herself but yeah unfortunately yeah. agreed yeah now the Junho Inho reveal 
obviously, the front man being Inho was foreshadowed so heavily. You're right. That's probably the other big moment that's foreshadowed. The the I think the cooler implication here, and this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier in the show, is that Junho doesn't technically die. He could very well return for season two, and we could see him and entirely possible player four fifty six team up somehow. I mean, he gets shot, of course, and he falls into the ocean. But but that happens to me like three times a year. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I always wake up in my own bed. <laughs> Not just that. Like no, he's there's there's a hundred percent chance he's alive because after Jun Ho shoots his brother in, in the Inho left arm. Huh? huh? Inho. You mean Inho shoots after his brother? After Jun Ho shoots his brother. Oh, I see I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. In his right arm, he immediately uh comes back and wings his brother because he knows Obviously, you know, he knows as soon as, you know, he sees him for the first time that it is his brother. That's why he's telling him to catch him alive until he gets shot. But he still shoots him in his left arm, at which point they're mirror images of each other as one of them falls off a cliff. Um, which they, again, foreshadow the possible season to come with him looking in the mirror and seeing his brother instead of himself. With their, with their that. mirror wounds that they gave each other. Um, like, it's, it's, that's what they're, they're, they're leading towards that, whether or not, anyway. Yeah. Whether or, whether not, or they, not they explore that. Yeah. I'm yes. working on a piece of art that reflects that, but with Luigi and Waluigi. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about that where, where the, the wounds end up happening. And, that's I guess that's yeah. what's so confusing. Yeah, I guess it's not in the about... arm, but it's like just kind of yeah the, in the, the torso, but yeah, like it's... right by the arm. They're just wing- they just yeah. got grazed the both of them. So it's it's interesting to me that there can be that level of nuance, and then sometimes the show foregoes that nuance, and just then the VIPs like... happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not just, yeah, it's not just that. Obviously, it's like the we talked about with the fifth game not being related to yeah a ch- child's game and stuff like that. There's just sometimes they forego that nu- nuance and it's not the end of the world but when there that nuance is there it's mm-hmm. like it's up there with some of the highest quality of television which is why it's so massively popular right now but um i definitely think they have some kinks to work out if they do decide to do a second season to kind of shore up some of these inconsistencies and whatnot i i i do think it's going to be interesting to see if they do a second season what role if at all, Jun Ho will have to play. Like, if he's truly dead, which I don't think he will be if they bring the show back, and what he's going to do in the second season. <clears throat> yeah. So, for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, is In Ho going to be brought back to be the front man again? If, if so, like, is that what happens in Squid Games? Will he be brought back again as the front man? Or what this happens? This year's guest front man is Martin Short. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I, I mean, the the interesting implication there, too, is that, yeah, he won the game five years ago, and then suddenly he becomes the front man. So all these other staff, are they people who had not, I mean, they hadn't competed in the game and won. I'm sure they're just people that got paid. What's, what's, what's in it for them to be competing well, in this game? And then, obviously, if they do subsequent seasons, 
they've um as we're kind of talking to more heavily in the last episode jihoon you know what role he will have to play like will well, there's he also there's also a theory that have been floating around in a couple places online in the beginning when they're playing the game in the subway um 456 is told to pick a a card from the the box the gentleman who works for them has and he can choose green or red green is the color of the jumpsuit of the contestants red is the color of the jumpsuit of the employees mm-hmm. so there's a theory online that had he picked red he would have been asked to be an employee yeah no and mm. that's kind of borne out by the rest of it i mean the whole organ selling thing yeah they're getting paid to do this whole thing and they're 100 percent disposable as shown by just so many of the staff getting gunned down thoughtlessly because they broke one of the rules same as if a contestant mm-hmm. broke or breaks a rule um yeah. but yeah the idea that you know, they're getting paid and it's enough to take care of their bills, but they're still willing to go and do this other thing, you know, trying to make additional Which money. Makes you think that yeah, maybe the rules. these people are just There's, as in debt as the contestants. Yeah, they're still really desperate. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like that that's one implication, or like we were kind of mentioning earlier, maybe there's a VIP kind of being like, hey, do this deal on the side, you know? Like, maybe there's somebody there force that was kind of running a secret side racket and forcing these characters to do this. Like, there's no... Th- that isn't explored enough. And like you said, yeah. Josh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that plot thread in a season two, should they choose to mm-hmm. do a season two. So Seems likely, th- considering that- this is the most streamed show on Netflix ever. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah. But, yeah, I think that is a good point of the writing is they they are leaving these interesting enough plot threads open to explore more and there's a lot of interesting things they could do with it so um yeah they they have they have the potential there so all right let's do the final episode there's there's going to be a lot of information here and i i imagine we're gonna have a lot to say on this episode so i'm going to run through it as quick as possible and then we will of course reflect on the final episode in the show as a whole so this is the last game, and the last game, of course, is called Squid Game. Uh, it's what what um, happens, like, the, the very first episode, there is kind of a an info dump about what Squid Game is, because obviously a lot of people outside of South Korea wouldn't know what this game is, and it kind of comes full circle. So Jihoon um, and Sangwoo end up playing together in the rain, which is kind of a very well-shot, uh, cinematically shot sequence of events and jihoon of course wins the game and as he has the chance to kill sang woo he refuses hoping that sang woo can you know change and rectify the situation sang woo decides to instead commit suicide by stabbing himself in the neck allowing jihoon to win jihoon returns home to find that his mother died in their apartment one year later, um, we see Jihoon. He hasn't touched his money at all, and he is very traumatized by the entire experience. Uh, he's basically living homeless and just drinking his days away. He suddenly receives a gold card, and he calls a number, and he goes to meet the sender. And it turns out it's Il Nam, player one, who is still alive, 
but dying in a bed. Uh, Ilnam reveals that he is one of the masterminds behind the games. He is one of the creators, and he was one of the VIPs who created the game out of boredom. He, he had an extra quarter part- that he found at a in an arcade machine. That's right. I was he watching to- two <laughs> homeless men fight over a sandwich, and I thought, what if we could do this on a larger scale? Mm-hmm. Exactly. He wanted to participate in the game for nostalgia's sake. He had been watching the game for years, and he said, you know what? I'm dying. I want to participate before I die. Yeah, I think that is an important detail. He, was di- like, he wasn't lying about the, the brain tuber. He, he was really dying, which is why he decided he was going to participate. Exactly. Ilnam asked Jihoon to play one final game with him. They bet that a drunk and passed out man in the dead of winter, who will freeze to death outside unless somebody helps him, will or will not receive any help before midnight, which is presumably where this man will pass the point of being able to survive. So Jihoon wins down to the last second, but Ilnam dies in the process. Jihoon gets Saibyok's younger brother out of the orphanage and takes him to Sangwoo's mother so they can take care of each other. He also leaves half of the earnings with Sangwoo's mother. Jihoon is about to leave to visit his daughter in the U.S. Who, um, during this process, you find out in the first episode, I guess I should have mentioned this, I had forgotten to mention this, um, Jihoon's ex-wife has remarried and the husband is relocating to the U.S., bringing Jihoon's daughter with him. So he plans to finally go visit his daughter in the U.S. when he witnesses another person playing uh, Dokji, uh, the, the paper game from the very first episode. Don't forget Ji-hoon his new K-pop takes... haircut. Yes, that too. I, I, I guess that's important. It's important uh, to Ji-hoon me. takes the card from the man who played and said, you don't want to do this game. Go fix your life. And Jihoon's about to board the plane, and he's on the, um, it's not called the, is it called the runway? The plane Tarmac? Runway? Yes, tarmac, thank you. He's on the tarmac, and he calls That's the number. That's the other thing. What is it called, then? He's boarding. He's on the tarmac. Okay. That's, that's, um, anyway. Oh, I'm sorry, he's you, on you the know, pa- Josh, Josh is correct, but it, the tarmac is he's what on the, the plane passageway. itself is on. We'll just say that. Yeah. Well, he's on the passage. He's boarding. He's in the process of boarding. Yes, he's boarding. He decides to call the number, and he turns around, and he decides he's going to go stop the games, presumably. Um, and that's how the first season, or presumably Squid Games, ends. So that's what we see. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, first off, Sung Woo committing suicide. Uh, I guess kind of having a moment of repentance, a moment of uh, basically rectifying all of his past deeds throughout the Squid Games. Did you guys feel like his demise and his change of heart was a, a kind of satisfactory to conclusion of this character's arc? I think I mean, it is the conclusion. It's it's less of a conclusion. It is one that makes a, a season two inevitable. Um, but I do like where they're going with it. Yeah, like I've I've mentioned several times before how the whole Matrix One ending is about the best ending you can get uh to anything. Um uh, just, you know, leaving it on lots of potential to go, 
anywhere with something. But you know the main character is about to go fuck some shit up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, right now, like, just, I'm talking about Sangwoo, uh, his friend dying. Do you, do you guys felt like his arc oh, ending? It's was... as close to redemption as you can get? Yes. That's um, what I'm talking about, yeah. I mean, eh. I mean, I felt it was a little bit heavy-handed. I do want to mention that, like, the whole... I'm going to kill myself after doing all these atrocious and terrible things. But then again, I mean, all the psychological, I mean, at that point, he wasn't getting anything out of it to go with it. He like, he wasn't getting anything out of it at that point. And Um, especially, especially he just didn't want to go back to his normal life. I think is, I think it had less to do with some sort of redemption or him giving it to his friend. I think it has way more to do with if he did agree to quit at that point. Like, he's he's unwilling to go back to his old life. Well, yeah, I mean, all of that would have been for nothing at that point. Like, yeah. he, kill, he killed all these people just to get to the very end. Yeah. And there was, there was no way it was going to go back and live with that for no reward. Because yes. that was the whole point of him lying to himself about how necessary it all was. Completely falls apart if you don't gain something from it. And I think and, that's and I kind f- of his whole character motivation from start to finish is that he's willing to fuck over anybody for gain but like he's kind of unwilling to look at himself and and live with the consequences of that if he doesn't get anything out of it Mm -hmm. and i think at that point like he probably ran the decision in his head of like well i'm taking my own life whether i do it here or i do it when we leave so well it's a it's a cool comparison too because you have this character who was willing to do whatever it took to survive and win. And then he gets to the end and he's like, well, I can just die here or I can go live with the guilt and die a very like slow, painful death. Um, Whereas you see player 456 win. And that's exactly what happens to him. He has to live with the guilt of surviving. Yeah. And, it's interesting. Yeah, he can't where, even where bring himself see... to spend the money. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just realized in player in episode seven, we didn't even talk about that that couple and that guy who hangs himself after his wife dying. I don't know. I just now remembered that. Oh yeah, we touched on. The, we that... said we were going to talk about it, and then we didn't. Yeah, yeah. Twists yeah and anyways, turns. that happens. But anyways, back to episode nine. Um... <laughs> Some guy hangs himself. Moving on. Yeah. No, but like I, I like that that interesting comparison that they do there, where basically Song was like, "Hey, we could get out of here together, but then yeah. all of this was for nothing, and I'm not going to live with the guilt of that." And, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and I, I don't think it's any sort of redemption for the character, but I do think it's a really satisfying conclusion to everything they show us about that character up until that point. Like, it's that is. It's completely logical. Like, there's no, like, weird, you know, hand-wavy change of character at the end or whatever. There's like, no, I, like, I can do the right thing. Like, yeah. He do- he almost kind of does, but not for the right reason. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. and I feel like it's it's completely within the character, and I, I, yeah. Yeah. I like the writing, too, is after Jihoon wins the game just twisting the knife even further by when he gets home, his mother's dead. Cause I, yeah. that, the, that the whole reason really he went back well. after everything, like, cause he 
we we talked about them voting to you know to stop earlier on. I can't remember if yeah. we said that he was one of the people that voted to leave at that oh, point. I didn't mention that. No. Um, but yeah, he, he voted to leave earlier on. Like he was, he was done. Like he, like, okay, I can, I can live with all this. And the only reason he goes back is to, is to pay for his mom's surgery. Um, yeah, she's living with untreated, uh, diabetes and like yeah, terrible and that, fucking foot neuropathy and yeah. Yeah. And that was the only reason he was back there. And so he gets out after all that. And of course he doesn't spend the money. What like that? The only reason he was there for any of that money yeah it was is now gone at that point. so like it's just kind of yeah yeah absolutely um it's 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 really important for kind of what happens towards the end some of the stuff we mentioned so let's get to the big reveal really quickly um i mean he didn't touch his money that 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 sets everything up the big reveal that il nam is alive and that he was a vip and they do a little flashback sequence to where they showed you a VIP with a mask and a front, the front man was talking with him and you didn't really know who that character was. Turns out to be Ilnam and that he was one of the creators of this game. It, it was such a good twist, I think, because they really did a masterful job. And even though it was a little bit predictable, I like, because I think it was around midway through episode seven i was like what if that guy really didn't die you know like i i started getting that like feeling well there's a, a couple i don't think it's it, of all the twists it's not blatantly obvious but there are a few moments where it's hinted at meaning one his he's is the only death that's really completely off screen yes um and the moment early on during the first riot when the camera cuts to him screaming everyone stop and frontman immediately stops it and there was no reaction prior to that but when he's calling for them to stop immediately the guards respond yeah and another moment too is um it's something we didn't really talk about the set for that that marble game takes place in this area that looks like a neighborhood and il nam is like oh my house should be right around here that's another foreshadowing moment of like yeah it actually is like it's it's played as oh he's you know, having uh, one of his episodes, an episode like he's a, not lucid, an episode yeah. of dementia, and yeah. no, he's actually showing someone he's made a connection with in here. His home. Look, they yep. took they. I it's had them rebuild my childhood home as part of this death game because I thought it would be fun. Because I'm a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, the. The, the the twist I thought was just even though it's slightly foreshadowed, I still think it's an amazing twist because it's this character that up until this point you loved and mm-hmm. you you rooted for and you it cried broke your when heart he when died, he died, yeah. Only to find out he is a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. There's another slew of like online theories of where season two can go that people are pinpointing where in that scene in the house, um 456 discusses with him a lot of like uh similarities to his upbringing and the kind of house he grew up in and stuff and there are some allusions to the possibility that that's his father um Hmm. which is an interesting theory because he never mentions his father being around when he was a child and there is some allusion to the possibility of it that that is his father who left when he was very young that would be cool i think that would be a really cool Reveal, Depending but on I, what I, they do with it, it could be. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I think it's kind of the path. 
like since they do it didn't do it in season one i think it's kind of past the point of being super impactful or shocking it would kind of just be like oh and by the way he was the father i think it would yeah it, it would like you're saying eh, it would all depend i don't know like on how hmm i don't i don't I think, think that it could work because i mean a possibility but we'll see I, I think if the threads go anywhere from some of the stuff that's left open from this there's going to be an awful lot of flash flashing back that's going to have to happen to how this thing started there's 30 years of history to how it started to be um going to into like the kind of like 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 we mentioned before the sort of thin familial relationship uh between junho and uh uh fuck in inho um like there's 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 backstory that needs to be fleshed out to continue with this a little bit um so i think it would be fine you know to have a character who's already dead show back up in flashbacks at this point um mm. i think that's reasonable yeah um as long as it serves a a, a really good purpose i think it would yeah. make sense sure. yeah yeah i think it all depends on where it leads like it, on uh-huh. its nose it's not a bad concept but it can be executed in a way that makes no sense and feels i could see dumb. a season two of this going completely off the rails like i i think there's promise an, but it, yeah but it could it very it'd be way easier for it to go completely off the rails than yeah. for it to be as smartly written and impactful as this first season yeah that's that's always kind of the scare and we'll, we'll kind of talk talk about, about that as we reflect on the show as a whole um, but yeah, you guys have some really good points there. Um, I I like the juxtaposition of the drunk and them watching to see if he's going to survive, and they're having this kind of conversation about it. And at the moment that the drunk is passed out, man is rescued by a man who had passed by, went to get the police to save this man. Is the moment that Ilnam dies. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's supposed to be some symbolism there with that, and I I did like that. I did like that. Um, you know, with I, I don't know if it's necessarily with life there must be death or um Ilnam's dying at the hand of his own game kind of thing. Or Equivalent maybe it's a exchange. Uh, maybe it's the combination of both, but I just I really like that sequence of events and I don't really need to understand a deeper meaning of why I like it, I don't think. I just I really enjoyed that kind of um You can just enjoy a thing. Not everything needs to be uh, overly wrought. Yeah, absolutely. So I like that. Um I like seeing that Jihoon gets the brother out of the orphanage and um, gets him taken care of because he, he's like, yeah, I, I'm going to make good on my word, but I also need, he eventually gets to the point where he's like, I need to go take care of my family. And I guess the interesting thing there is that he waited a year. To get That's the, the only thing he does that kind of annoys me. Cause like, I get it. You're yeah. disgusted to spend the money, but that wasn't about you. Yeah, no, I, I, again, like, I feel like he was just so deflated after it turns out his mom died while he was in there trying to get that money. Yeah. That, you know, it just, it completely destroys him. And again, like, it's, it's not until all of that stuff kind of, I, I don't know. He's I had a different reading. I'm, uh, like, I felt like that whole game with him was kind of about him saying, em- empathy is cool, actually. Um, like he's rad. Yeah, like it. Like it's 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 like this worldview is dead. Like we're we're done with this, and 
Yeah, we need Eat to care about each other. Um, and like, yeah, that's that's the direction things are heading. Is kind of the I think the feeling like the, this this old idea of you know being completely self absorbed and selfish is 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 dying and i'd say it needs even to more, die i think um, it's even more contemporary josh i mean i agree with you it's older but i think it's even more contemporary now when you kind of look at society and how we're expected to just grind day in day out yeah Especially hustle culture in the US. It's rise like, and grind baby i love working seven days a week yeah well, but that, that's that's the thing like, we've been sold for so long and Again, especially recently, I think people are finally starting to realize, oh, that was bullshit. Well, yeah, I, that's, I was, that's why people are leaving yeah. their jobs at an unprecedented rate mm-hmm. in the U.S. right now. And, like, that's that's why this show is so popular right yeah. now. Besides all the other stuff we mentioned, like the great cinematography, the music, the yeah, audio yeah. production, the, the writing, the acting, all it has such relevancy yeah yeah and i think that's kind of but again i feel like that scene is what finally makes him realize that he even though his life has completely been fucked up at this point that like he still owes it to other people to help them out and and then goes on to you know to take care of those promises he made earlier yeah um, and i, I want to mention there that we were talking about earlier and this is kind of an expansion on what you're talking about, Josh, and kind of like taking it in a slightly different direction. We had mentioned that basically it's very possible. Actually, I'll wait. I'll wait because that's that's actually going to be more of the final reflection stuff. I'll come okay. back to that. Basically talking about the implications going forward. Sorry, I was I was going to jump ahead when I told you guys not to. That's not very <laughs> cool of me. Um, yeah, you're a shithead. I am. I Shafid. The thing. The thing I a lot of people were complaining about online with this ending, and I somewhat find hilarious, but I also somewhat agree. Is, is it the hair like, color? Well, not not just that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That's my favorite part. But, Everybody shut up. <laughs> where he's like, all right, I'm finally going to go take care of my daughter, and he's going to finally be a dad. And then he's on the uh, he's going to board the plane, and he's like, you know what? There's something I have to take care of before being a dad. <laughs> and he's like, my daughter can wait. I found that interesting. Not bad, not good. Interesting. That that he's like, instead of, you know, taking care of all the responsibilities I need to take care of, I'm going to make the one family member I have left wait just a little bit longer. And it's interesting. Um, that's going to, like... I think that's going to kind of just bring us into how we feel about the show as a whole, because this is what I was going to mention is you guys had kind of said in season two, I could see it going into a John Wick kind mm-hmm. of thing. I can't see it going that way. And there, it's a possibility. Oh, I, don't, I, I don't, don't see it going that way either. It's, I don't see it going that way because that that whole last episode is framed like you guys were saying to teach him about basically having empathy and having this community and this sense of camaraderie, which is how you're going to survive this situation. And unfortunately community only gets you so far. It's other traits and personality traits and skills that you develop that will help you survive that the community aspect will only take you so far. And I think that's kind of part of the point of squid games um, as both a show and as the game within the TV show. Well, why is it clear? Hold hold on, let me let me finish before okay. you guys interrupt. Um so when you look at 
that final sequence of Ilnam and him playing that quote unquote game that is happening that basically he learns, you know, I need to make right on the promises I made. And I also need to understand that empathy is going to help rectify kind of like this economic disparity and banding together that I could see it more of instead of just being like a complete John Wick, him just destroying everything. And this is, I think, more what you were kind of talking about, Josh, is figuring out the VIP situation and then kind of dismantling the project from there. Not like just completely just fucking up anybody, but figuring out ways to dismantle the VIP, whether it's murdering them or somehow... Um, using his money to get money, their money out of their hands kind of thing. So I could see the show going that way, maybe. I I don't even think it's that, and especially when you weigh in that he ends it by literally saying he's going back, like he's on the phone with them and saying, I'm going back. And I think it, it leads into that whole, like, it, it, it's almost like a workers' revolution analog. Like, he's going to go in with an attempt to convince these people playing the game, like, we don't have to play their fucking game. Like, if we start in the beginning and, like, we outnumber them, we don't have to do things by their book, you know? Like, I, I was... So, so you're saying, like, infiltrate like Junho kind of did, but have a different intent of infiltrating. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Josh, you want to jump in there? I know you were trying to jump well, in there a Well, I, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about with community, because, I mean, it's... <sighs> All the people who were skilled at much of anything in the game died. Died. Like I don't. I don't know how the. I was, I was kind of basically alluding all. to what what Rich was kind of saying there. It's like the workers kind of have to band together, and that's the kind of community I was talking about. Community yeah. is probably not the best word to use. There, Seize the but... means of production. Production but... is a death game in this case. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. <sighs> Anyway. There are moments of that that happen throughout the show. You look at like Ollie when mm-hmm. he goes when they vote out of the game the first time and he goes back and he's like, Hey, I need to get paid. And that worker's like, Hey, nobody's getting paid, and all these workers are basically working for free on the promise that they're eventually gonna get money. And he's like, Can't you look, see these him motherfuckers need to get paid. I need to get paid. And the worker's like, Oh, you'll just have to deal with it. And then that's when, you know, the sequence kind of takes place is that yeah, there there are a lot of these injustices that are happening, and people need to band together for this common go- common cause, excuse mm-hmm. me, and for the greater good. And that's kind of what I was trying to talk about with community. I, I probably didn't word that in the best way possible. Um, and that's that's the big parallel we're talking about with modern day society, and especially with what's happening. Yeah, um, no, like I read all that, but then you went on something about about community not being enough and needing your own skills, and I just don't think that was supported by anything else in the show that I can think of. Well, I mean, you look at um, the end of how Player 456, um, you know, he he works so hard to get this team together, and basically... Um, well, I mean, I don't I, think I it failed point. because they didn't I have skills. Your... Like, it failed no, because not... they weren't remotely in charge. 
that that's like that's there, what there I was, was no option, to say, and I wasn't so. doing a good enough job okay. of it. All right, I, I, I can I, I can see it as that. I just I was trying to figure out because like yeah. again, I mean, even at the end, he mentions that. Well, he has I, no I idea how to... the money got in his account. He has no idea. They could take the money away from him at any point. Like, he knows that even in the situation he's in, like, he, it's not, he's still an underdog, even at that point, at the end right. of everything. Um, I was, yeah, you're right. And I was, I guess I was trying to point out that even though we need to, like, the show is like, we need to band together to bring about change the end of the squid games i don't want it to be like rah rah community because everybody fucking dies and i wanted to at least acknowledge that so i yeah it was it was difficult me for me trying to navigate i get it now i I just i just wasn't sure what you're we're getting at at first yeah 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 no i I appreciate you helping me clarify that because i needed it but um i mean that's one of the big things here and i think that's why the show is so relevant right now and i think that's why so many people are kind of um connecting with it is the implications of what's happening in modern day society. Mm -hmm. I I don't think obviously it's the catalyst for anything like the, it's being labeled as a great resignation right now. It's too late for it to be the catalyst at this point. I kind of think maybe a global pandemic and, and lots of a full year of talking about how the essential workers are our heroes and then demonizing them. The second Profits aren't going up as fast as we want them to. Yeah. What do you mean you want more money? Like, I don't know. I've I've got a feeling maybe that could have made people realize exactly how much they were getting fucked over for like no good reason. To, basically, I'm to think a lot of people, be our friend. Mm-hmm. a lot of people sharing the sentiment of like we value our essential workers was basically like they're doing the work we don't want to do. So thank God for them. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, and now that's kind of yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we don't want to get too far into that because then, of course, people claim politics and stuff like that. But that's kind of the point of the show is to analyze some of that stuff. Well, this show wasn't political at all. So clearly (laughs) not even a little bit. Um, It's it's one of those great unpolitical works, like no politics at all, like Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or Final Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. But I I like a lot of the implications here. And I like... I like, yeah, there's so much to like about the show. Yes, there yeah. are some threads that are a little bit inconsistent or a little bit weaker. We've already talked about that at length, so we don't really need to retread that. But I think the strengths of the show vastly outweigh the weaknesses. And um, besides the the implications for modern day society and the parallels there, the, the cin- cinematography is top notch. The acting is top notch. The um audio design and music is top notch the mm-hmm. writing is very well done there are some lulls but i think um it's very well done as well i yeah i guess let's ask this question before we wrap up the show do you guys want a second season like not necessarily what should it look like but do you want a second season because think like i think about and sorry let me preface this really quickly i think about another show that had the zeitgeist at one point. I don't know if that's the correct way to word that. Um, Stranger Things. The first season was, was such popular? a revelation. And yeah. everybody loved that show. And I, I still like that show very much. But that first season w- reminds me of this where everybody was talking about it on social media and everybody was into it. And then 
of course they were like all right we're bringing on the second season and granted i still enjoyed the second season but it was nowhere near as good as the first and it immediately lost that zeitgeist and of course there are still fans of the show and a lot of people are still looking forward to it but it's like the first season was so awesome did they really need a second season yes they ended it on a cliffhanger for that reason i think that the way this show ends it could go either way um how do you guys feel like do you guys want a second season i'm interested to see what they could do i'm of a mind that like it definitely doesn't need it and if they don't do one i'd be totally fine with that but um, if they feel they have a story to tell, I'm, I'm interested to see what that's what that is. Yeah, like there are a few character threads I'd like to see wrapped up. But honestly, I, I don't want a second season because I don't have any idea. Big picture story wise. Where you go from this point, because again, where they leave it off, it's like, oh, yeah, we can go do anything we can you know it's very hopeful from this point on you end up for it to work end up ending up being very prescriptive about how a leftist revolution happens uh which either does happen and you know it's too specific or you kind of avoid it and you end up with this waffly you know, neoliberal piffle that just kind of, you know, is going to end up wishy-washy. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I feel like the only real place that they could go from this point, and I could be wrong. I mean, we've sat here saying how amazing the story writing is in this season. So maybe give them some leniency there. I don't know. Yeah. But, I don't see any other way than them just basically making a major statement about dismantling the elite status. And yeah. I don't necessarily like I don't understand enough about politics to say if it would be a leftist, a neoliberal, any of that stuff. I, I don't understand that enough to talk we about. We shall that. take just, Versailles. Just in general, I think that people no, would no, have to we, band we together. intentionally don't teach people about politics in the US. That way we can pretend that that both far right parties we have are, up. are the are the far ends of the spectrum. It yeah. tends to but get them riled I, up. <laughs> I um I definitely think that's kind of what they would be doing there. And at that point, I think the show does a good enough job of presenting the problem. And if they do a second yeah. season, it's going to be like here's the here's a possible solution. And do we want that? Like as as consumers, as people viewing the show, yeah. Because a lot of times when you do that. They're gonna people gonna there are people that are gonna be like, well, no, that's not the solution that's needed here. Oh, and that's I know. kind of the risk of bringing out a second season. No, infighting with leftists is leftists' favorite favorite hobby. Um, so like, there's there's no way to do this well. Like, it's it's a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, I I I think what would be kind of cool is if they were to do another season, they would have a Squid Games in another country. And you come to find out it's a bigger network of Squid Games. And it it kind of reminds me of this anime yeah. called Gantz um, slash manga. The anime, like the first season is amazing. The second season is horrible. 
I've told a few people who like this show to watch that first season of that anime. The manga um, is more interesting, and I don't you have to go look shit. that up on your own. But basically, uh, it's uh, basically this kind of supernatural set of games that takes place in multiple locations secretly around the world. I think that would kind of be cool to see, like, okay, Squid Games Season 2. Um, it's taking place in Russia or something Something crazy like that. I, I just named the first country. And that comes Soviet to mind. Russia, Squid Games, you. And, but it's um, it's all connected, and so we're seeing a completely yeah. different set of characters. And somehow, uh, Player Four Fifty Six is woven into that. So he's not the main focus in season. Oh, so you two. want Squid Games International? Yeah, but like he he comes into the show not as a main character, but he is catalyzing change in there and we get to kind of see that somehow interwoven in the show i think that is a possibility of it being interesting um because then it's not saying necessarily anything and no that also isn't the direct um that also works avoiding all the pitfalls i was talking about earlier because the animatrix is amazing um yeah (laughs) all the ones where neo is the side character um and like I, I don't know. I, th- I think the second two Matrix movies are much better than people give them credit for. But agreed, they don't compare to the Animatrix. That's just amazing. And I kind of think that's like okay, we've got other ideas for this universe. Where where do we go with them? It's I'm also interesting. Of the Matrix Reloaded PS2 but, game. Yeah, the best yeah, Matrix. It's, I think right now I'm like fifty fifty on wanting a sequel. Um, yeah, I really like the first season. I can I take it or leave it. I just I don't want it mar like them to just mar the franchise as a whole, yeah. Um, with feeling required to bring out a second season because it's so popular. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it made a lot of money, so it is by American law required yeah. that a sequel be made. Good, good thing it's not an American made TV show. But an American company has their hands on it. Yeah, well, it's an yeah, international got- company at this point. That means American. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an international media company. That means American. <laughs> Fair point. All right. If this is your first time at the show, this is the point of the show where we have a very simple rating system here um, whenever we do one of these episodes. Do we recommend it or not recommend it? I think most of the time we choose stuff on the show that we recommend. I think it's very rare that we don't recommend things, but this is kind of a way for us to recommend it, why we feel that way, and to just kind of summarize our thoughts. Um, so I'm just going to go first, knock it out knock it out of the way really quickly because I don't have much more to say. I recommend the show. Awesome show. Very beautiful show. Very moving show. Watch it. Simple as that. Um, Rich, take it away. Would you yeah. recommend the show? Fantastic program. I give it uh, four bags popcorn. Uh, two and a half candy bars and a soda. So that's Ooh. yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely uh, watch this. It's Is good. One of those bags of popcorn. Did you cut a hole in the bottom for the popcorn trick? I have been told I'm not allowed to comment on that. From who? Oh, I know. I can't say. Okay. Okay. I did forget to mention one thing. I'm sorry, before we wrap up, the character who, um, I'm sorry I'm doing this, the character who works for, quote-unquote, this organization, who initially gets um, 
Player 456 involved in the first place. He's a very famous actor uh, in South Korea. He was he started in Train to Busan. For those of you who have watched that amazing, that's where I knew him from. Because mm-hmm. we those all watched of you that who together. Have watched that amazing zombie movie, phenomenal. But I really want to see what role that character has to play. Um, obviously, he's they basically got him a recruiter. For, well, he's a recruiter, but what obviously he's a recruiter but what brought him there yeah no, maybe, no I, I agree with you maybe he's a vip and, mm-hmm. and he's he has like a more active on the ground approach like who knows but like the thing is i think they brought that guy in as a cameo to probably get people interest in south korea interested in the show in general i think that was for people outside of south korea because oh okay uh, fair point um park saiho is also a fairly famous k-drama actor um, true in in, in south of... korea but not outside uh he's one of the people audiences so outside much. would recognize yeah yeah and um, i think i think it's interesting too because as we're seeing um this explosion these past two years of korean culture really infiltrating mm-hmm. um world media that we're going to start recognizing some of these names and these faces a lot more. So, yeah. I may, Josh, maybe you have a really good point here that they brought this guy in because, excuse me, Train to Busan is a very popular that, film. Yeah, in that Western one did culture. make the jump internationally already. Yeah, so much so that they're going to be doing a Western and I believe a, an American adaptation to that movie. Why do they keep doing this? But um, they're going to ruin it just like uh, uh, whatever the old boy. Well, old boy, but I was I was thinking of the. Oh, there's the plenty Spanish of stuff they ruined before. That. Yeah, there's plenty of yeah. Girl, the dragon t- tattoo. The American version is a. <sighs> yeah. But it, it like, exists. Um, what if I, white people did it? Yeah. What a novel I, concept. I just I'm really interested to see if that character will have any role in a possible season two. I I like mm. that he's kind of a mystery though. I do like that. Yeah. I, I don't. I I do want to hear more about him. I just hope that my desire for that doesn't end up ruining <laughs> that character, <laughs> that it, mystery yeah. there. So often that's th- happened to me, but there's enough yeah. there that I care enough about kind of like this organization and the, the origins and what this means as a whole, that if they were to go in a little bit more explanation of him, I'd be interested. Or if they leave him as a mystery recruiter, that's fine too. I know that he's an extremely famous actor in South Korea that I'm sure they had to pay him a handsome sum of money to get him to just star guest star on that show. So would they want to bring um, him back as a more recurring well, character? Something would know. tell me they'd be willing to cut him more and he'd be more interested in being a bigger part of a sequel after the massive success of the show. True. True, true, true. Very good point. So anyways, I wanted to mention that I had forgotten yeah. to mention that earlier and I apologize um doing yeah. it abruptly I'm, like that. I I just sorry. I missed said I was looking at a sheet of names because pronouncing Korean names is tough. And I read the next one down the list from the one I was looking okay. at. Um, Ling Jun Jai is, Oh, okay. is, that's uh, his name is Gihoon. And that's the one I was th- trying to read. And then immediately after his name was, uh, Sangwoo. And so I was, I read his name by accident. So I, that's all good. Apologies all good. there. Trying to, uh, Apology not accepted. Thank mm-hmm. you. Anyway, no, I, I appreciate you clarifying that. But yeah, jo- Josh. So, do you recommend the show? 
Uh, I mean, I already have to some people. Uh, the exception, and like, like we always sadly we have to do this. Is don't like don't don't suggest this to to that uncle. You know the one. Um, like, cause I didn't understand what any of them were saying. No, because I'm I'm Why worried about it becoming some sort rich. of a, a they live situation where because he's racist. Oh, they're talking about the Jews, aren't they? Like, no, 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 they're not. No, they're not. That's that's not what this is about. Um, Your experiences are not universal. Yeah. Um, so, like that that would be the anyway. Yeah, I, I get your point. I get your point. Like someone who's like more of a conspiracy theorist or someone who. Yeah, because um, I, I can definitely see how there are. Very specific and wrong in specific ways to read this. Um, I don't like the way that guy undermined, under, undermined all the hard work those businessmen were doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like. Maybe still, because it's just good, but, like. Yeah, just who, it depends on who you recommend it to, but in general, you would recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Easy. Well, there you have it. I mean, uh, this this has probably been one of the longest uh, Chomping After Darks we've ever done, coincidentally. It was supposed to be a 30-minute episode, almost three hours. But uh, it just goes to show you how much is in this show. And granted, it's a TV show, which is probably why we went on for so long. But there's a reason why this show is yeah. the the most watched show on Netflix, and I don't know, probably in the world right now, in many, oh, many yeah. countries. Yeah. So. yeah, It's worth your time. Um, I believe it's worth the hype. And, um, you know, some people obviously have different tastes and probably slightly disagree, but we here love the show, the three of us, and so can't recommend it enough but anyways mm-hmm. uh, that's gonna do it uh just really quickly if you enjoyed the show please like and subscribe all that jazz if you want more content from us head over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts we have merch we have a patreon which you can get benefits for supporting us and helps us make amazing content like this uh we have an article section where we review video games and we get some other random articles and stuff like that up we are primarily a video game uh, concentrated publication and platform but of course we like to do other things like this sometimes so um, any level of support you can give us is super helpful to us the best thing you can do if all of that is just like oh, i was just here to listen to squid games tell somebody about this episode if you enjoyed it you enjoyed the insight um you disagreed with us you want to get your friends in here to flame us. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, please. No, but, do that. Um, just share it with a friend. Let them know that um, you enjoyed this conversation and that would mean the world to us. So thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, I want to say thank you to Rich for being here for this episode. I want to thank Josh as well. Um, I was Shay, your host. And check us out. Uh, we're going to be back with another Chomping After, Chomping After Dark episode soon. That will be on your feeds. We love you. Take care.